try to get back to the focus being on well, bring your solutions to what you think we could be proposing to the city, to businesses, to media, to venues, to recording engineers, to whomever. So that was kind of what I wanted to say. It was like maybe, it had to be 10 minutes time each, but like, Chris, 10 minutes, what, do you, what is it that you have to say? Let Michelle and I pinball off of that a little bit. We switched to Michelle. Is something on your mind? We pinball off of that. Big city, yeah. Kansas City, how you feeling? Welcome to Center Cuts. I'm your host, Patrick Spray. Today is episode 31, 31 Flavors, and December 15th. And we are doing a little retrospective today as we close out 2021. And so we have a special guest, Michelle Bacon, with us today. How are you, Michelle? I'm good. How are you? Great. So glad we could pry you away from your numerous office parties, (laughs) board engagements, 25 (laughs) bands you're playing in. And we are also coming to you live from our home of Chris Mowry. What's up, Chris? Hey, how's it going? Been pulling Chris away from his multiple activities with Journey Pro, Party Invite. We are all busy bees. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we just thought we would take a little time uh, at the end of this year. First of all, say thanks for listening can't believe we are on episode 31 we pulled off 22 episodes this year thanks to michelle with her station to station bringing in some incredible guests and we pretty much stuck to our two episodes a month so i want to say thanks to both of you for helping realize the dream keeping me on track and we thought we'd just take a little bit of time to kind of reflect on some of the points that our guests brought up this past year and some of the things on our mind, I mean, mm-hmm. really, the original mission and goal of the podcast was to talk about things the Kansas City industry, music industry could do better, had room for improvement with, you know, suggested courses of action. And so we're going to try to do that here in just a second. We're talking about changing our format a little bit moving forward to where Chris and I are going to remove our calendar. We just have too many other things to talk about. But anything on either one of your plates here this next holiday party things are going on i know chris has something this friday yeah i have the journey pro show die hard 2 is also a christmas movie um (laughs) at blip roasters um and then tonight uh the wednesday night drinking practice folks have their christmas party uh, which is always a wonderful time and it just so happens to be like 70 degrees outside and it's december so so yeah there's there's a bunch of fun stuff uh in the next couple weeks i know i like i said that we have the journey pro show but there's also rad key that night and the next night so you know you can go to the journey pro show on the friday and then go see rad key on the saturday and there is also uh company no company i believe has a show on friday there's just a lot of stuff going on so if you're looking for something to do um, the weekend before Christmas, there is a bunch of stuff to do. Oh, yeah. And then Saturday, Katie Gain and the Drive is going to be at the ship. I That's right. Yep. Michelle's going to be in the mix on that. EP. That's right. You've also got making movies at the Truman that night. There's actually, so the bridge, we're doing our 20th anniversary concert series, and there's like five shows for that this <laughs> In the next couple of days. So, like, Samantha Fish is at the Truman oh, tomorrow right. night. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Uh, Old Crow Medicine Show is at the Uptown, mm-hmm. I believe. And then, yeah, the two Radkey shows, the Making Movies show on Saturday. Oh, Making Movies. That was the other one. I was like, there's yep. another big one I'm forgetting. 
covering Radiohead. Yeah. They're going to have Black Hippie along with kind of the newly formed yes. Republic Tigers mm-hmm. with the members of Mana Odds. Yeah. And then we're honored to have our holiday show at Record Bar Christmas After Hours this year, also sponsored as part of the Bridges mm-hmm. 20th Anniversary Series. Yep. Um, everybody, I Michelle just stole my social media post for tomorrow, which is representing Sorry. the bridge. 20 years and helping local artists who many of them have gone on to other, you know, cities as their home base, but still come back and represent like Samantha Fish. Mm-hmm. Um, Hembry, I know, is going to be, they had that reschedule, right? Yeah, February 3rd fourth. or 4th, something like that. Fourth, so check out the Bridges website for that link. Um, and I'm Chris, Chris, the one thing I was, I'm really glad you shouted out Wednesday night drinking practice. I'm going to try to stop by there after our. Uh, in the music room event tonight with Kian Byrne out of Deva Audio. We're hoping to do those again next year, planning to do those next year. But, you know, really, Chris, the reason why we're working together is because of your initial forays with Wednesday Night Drinking Practice, mm. which led into you starting your own podcast, Look Who's Talking Mal. That wind is crazy right yeah, now. Yeah, isn't that? <laughs> I wonder if they got picked up on the I thought you were wanting us to bow nuts. down before you. No. Um, and, you know... Without Clint and the crew over there, KB Jams, you know, trying to, I think, help you a little bit, I probably wouldn't have reached out to you to ask you for your assistance with Center Cuts. Yeah, no, they helped me get started. I called them uh, my podfathers at one point, Clint and Matt, Toddy. Mm-hmm. And uh, last the other, last Wednesday when I was on, they uh, introduced me as their pod son. Um oh. And uh, yeah, they right? like. I haven't listened. That just came out today, right? Yeah, it's okay. really good. Uh, it's a funny one. Uh, it goes off the rails very Michelle, fast. Didn't you do that with Frog Pond recently? I did. Yeah, like last month or something. Oh, like that's that. hilarious! So fun. Yeah, it's so much fun. I love those so, guys. Matt, KB, Clint, hey, we just want to say thank you for keeping it alive. I know you all tried to adapt a little bit at the beginning of the pandemic and did some you know videos i know that you also started to re-release some classic episodes which i, I listened to the one recently from uh tony latticich about oh, yeah, that yeah, film yeah. and i'm like dude yeah. you've been i'd forgotten about yeah, that yeah. and now recently he just received some recognition for doing a uh a doodads video yeah, and, oh, yeah. And, 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 you know, <laughs> that was an emmy yeah yeah and so you know i, I think that sometimes we you know we should take the time to just say thank you, and you, you really gave me some happy moments this year. I know personally when I was a guest, I don't really remember a whole lot, so I'm going to try to stay clean tonight and just uh, raise a chicken gizzard for you all. Michelle, anything coming up? I know you're going to kick off our next year, hopefully, with a Station to Station episode. Yes, so my next guest, if all things go well, will be Jocelyn Nixon from the Creepy Jingles. Awesome. Um, and they just joined Frog Pond for our album release show a couple of weeks ago. Uh, they're getting ready to put an album out, I think, in March. Yeah. So it'll be it'll be great to talk to her. Tell us a little. I, you know, I couldn't. I had tickets for the Frog Pond show. The missus had was tested positive yes. for COVID, and everyone's fine. But I mean, you said it was just. It was amazing. Um, I haven't been in a room that packed since before COVID, but it was a vax only show, so. Um, yeah, no, it was uh, kind of weird to be, like, in the band, but still kind of have the outsider's perspective. Yeah. Because, you know, get up on stage and people are screaming and singing along with, like, literally every song. And that's never happened to me before. Oh, love it. Like, I've never been in a band where that's happened. So it was just kind of like, it was kind of like I'm on the outside looking in. Yeah. Um, but it was really cool. I mean, it was a big moment, I think, especially for Heidi and Justine, you know. Yeah. 
So and that was the question cool. I was going to ask yeah. you. What's it like being the new kid? You know, in the it's group. It's great. <laughs> yeah, people waited seriously. I mean, I have. I know Chris Aguirre for thirty oh, yeah. years. Seriously, yeah. to see that. <laughs> oh yeah, Chris. His first few shows of eight one sixty, he played Frog Pond. He's like, I'm going to keep playing them until they reunite. And then he realized that's not really a good idea. That's beautiful. <laughs> well, you know, he got his wish. It happened. It finally happened. It so, happened. Yeah. Are, do you have are any, can you give us any insight on like plans this coming year? About other performances or chances to see you for those of us that couldn't make that performance? Because it was sold out pretty early too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have some things cooking. We've got something coming up in the spring, probably in... Either Kansas City or Lawrence, not sure. I was gonna yet. say, have you thought about getting to Lawrence? We are probably gonna get Gotta to Lawrence. Gotta do that, my goodness. Yeah, and then we're just kind of figuring out what we're gonna do as far as getting some regional shows, and we'll definitely do another Kansas City show at some point. But we're just trying to strategize just a bit and see what works. We still are waiting for our albums, our vinyl to come in, so. It would be nice to time something when those come in, but we don't know when they're yeah, going to come knows? in. So Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, join the club. So Yeah, that's an issue all around the board. some notes here and basically what I did everybody is I went back to our our first episode of 2021 was uh, center cuts number 10 which is a retrospective which basically was I didn't know what to do and Chris and I said let's just chop up all the stuff from the previous year this year a little more prepared but we started this year in January January 26 with Diana Ennis from Heartland Song Network that was number 11 and we had guests um, Jennifer Rowe from the Folk Alliance Michelle had Crystal for her station to station we had Judy Mills from Mills Record Company we had Jackie Becker from Eleven Productions. We had James McGee from the Mutual Musicians Foundation, who I think had just started the American Jazz Museum at that time, too. Michelle had Julia Hale. We had Chris Agarian from The Bridge. Jenna Ray from Los Calgary Records, who, by the way, gives you all a shout. Just talked to her last week. Eddie Moore from Tribe Studios, also an incredible musician. Michelle had Nan Turner. We had Aaron Rhodes from Michelle Cock Magazine. Skylar Rochelle, also from The Bridge. We had our co-host here, producer Chris Mowry. Um, We had Heidi Phillips with Michelle, Bill Sundahl from KKFI, Calvin Arsenia, Addie Sartino. Um, We had Sean Crowley from Manor Records, and that's where my notes end. Our last guest was Amber Flutie-Nastiness Underwood, because we've decided we're going to try to start to alternate our industry guests with artists because we're probably going to run out of industry people at some point. (laughs) And we're also just trying to include a diverse range of people, which I'll be frank, isn't a bunch of white dudes like me. So I didn't show Michelle or Christie's notes about what they thought was an area 
um, the industry could improve or could do better or change or needs. And what we're going to do instead is just kind of see what Chris has to say first and give our mm. listen and give our thoughts on that. Then we'll switch to Michelle. Here's what she has to say as well. And I'll give my thoughts and then we'll kind of just go back and see what we're talking about the same things these other people were discussing. And then really what's maybe one specific thing we, the three of us and all of our great influencing powers can try to do to make some uh, changes in our various ventures this next year. Does that sound like a plan? Yeah. I'm just flattered you think I carry influence. Well, I'm, I, so I was going to show you our numbers from the show, our draw of one person. Um, thank God Atticus yeah. is here. Yeah. Um, so, Chris, what if you could do one thing, if you could improve one thing or one area Kansas City music industry needs, and we have been stressing all year, not community. We all have heard every time the community is great. People mm. are supportive. People love each other. There's tons of collaboration. People are willing to give advice, even if it's to their own detriment. What's something we need to do better? I think, so something that... Uh, it came up on the Eddie Moore episode. It came up a little bit on the uh, Amber Flutie Nastiness episode. Um, we need to do more for the jazz community in this city. Um, like a, a good go back to that you always do, Patrick, is you say uh, if uh, you stopped in Kansas City and you asked them what do they love about this city, they'd be like barbecue, jazz, the Chiefs, you know, like those things. But then if you ask them to name a jazz musician from here, they wouldn't be able to. Um, Can I interrupt you? Yeah. I, I met somebody who's moved. He was from Lawrence. He played in a band back in the 80s when I was in college. Mm-hmm. Kind of frog pond time, a little bit before that. He was in San Diego. He's a recording artist, engineer, and he's moved back. I asked him the same question, and I did a market research at Starbucks out of the 119th and whatever. I never go out there. Yeah. They could all name five cheese players. Mm-hmm. I, I asked like seven people, all yeah. ages, gender, race. Um, they could all name five barbecue places. Crickets on the jazz one. Yeah, it's just yeah. like it's like this thing that we claim, but it's like mm-hmm. uh, as I said in like the Amber episode, it's a false claim. It's like we are standing there going, "We we are pioneering jazz. We pioneered jazz. Charlie Parker, blah." It's like, but what have we done for the jazz community in the past? However many years, like. When, when did Charlie Parker pass? I'm not even sure. It's been a long time. Very long time. Yeah, so it's, it's like... It's 30s, 40s? It's yeah. his 100th birthday this oh, that's year, right? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he died pretty young. Yeah. So I say mm-hmm. 60 years like, ago? I should not. I think he's yeah, like 34. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's he just, died when he was early 30s. I think. Yeah. Like, I'm all down for, like, celebrating Charlie Parker, like, once a year and doing, like, a big thing for him. But, like, I feel like we stay... We stick too hard into the standards and we don't mm-hmm. allow these people to really express themselves and and make Kansas City the jazz city that it deserves and should be. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And there's like ways around that. There's like a, a lot of it is like it, we've just gotten so used to here jazz being the background noise at a bar that we're at mm-hmm. or, you know, like mm-hmm. those kind of places. Like I, I still want to go see um, I haven't been able to make it out there yet, but uh, um I know that Eddie and, and Zach play at Corvino on Sundays. Um, mm. But in that same aspect, like they're they're just the background noise at the restaurant. You know, mm. they're not really the the like they are the feature, but they're not, they're not the, the, the feature is points. the focal point is the restaurant and yeah. them playing is like an added bonus. You know, and I'm I'm sure you're not. I'm and I, I'm, I, I'm not shunning that. I think it's great because they are allowing them to do kind of whatever they want to. But like what I'm saying is like most of the places like 
that we're talking about, jazz just becomes the background noise to the party mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. not the focal point of what's happening. Like, there's a place up in Omaha called The Gem that all of the jazz players play at and they love because it's a listening room. Mm-hmm. It's You're coming here to listen to jazz and you're going to sit and listen to it. You're not going to talk <laughs> like all throughout it. Mm-hmm. You're going to clap when you're split, like those kind of things. Like mm-hmm. the fact that Omaha, Nebraska has that and Kansas City doesn't is a crime. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, I, I can't name any jazz players from Omaha. I'm sure they exist. But you know what I mean? Like Kansas City has a tradition and like a foundation of great, great musicians here that, um, you know, I just feel like it's not supported in the way that we like to claim that it is supported. Especially improvisational works, Chris, or yeah. generative yeah. works where it's their own music. I, not, I don't yeah. think you were meaning mm-hmm. to throw any restaurant under the bus. No, no, no. Thank, no. And thank I wasn't, goodness. I, I've heard nothing but her but great things about Corbin. I just Absolutely. like using as an example, like, this is cool because they are allowing them to do whatever they want, but it's also not like the focal point. Like, the restaurant is the focal yeah. point and the band's playing there, which is awesome, but... You know, like it's like that's like similar to like the majestic mm-hmm. or like something like that. Mm-hmm. Like the jazz is there, but you're really there to eat dinner, right? Um, and those kind of things. Maybe it's maybe it's a reason why you're going on a Sunday, which would be nice. Um, but it, I just I feel like they're the fact that we don't have a listening room where somebody can just go and listen to jazz, even if it's a small venue, like right. maybe holds a hundred people. Right. Maybe have like, you been to Lonnie McFadden's new place? It's not the majestic, where? is it? No, that's terrible. No, that's I don't know that. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I don't think it's a new place. I think oh, okay. they rebranded it and called it his place. I'll I'll get on the internet here in a okay. second. I mean, the Blue Room is one place, but again, like I think one thing that you're touching on is like there are these artists that want to do more experimental, mm-hmm. improvisational things, and mm-hmm. like there are. I think I I see this in the blues world too. There's like yeah. a lot of purists that mm-hmm. are like, well, this isn't this isn't real jazz or this isn't the standards that we want to hear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and so it doesn't really let them get out of the box. And there are so many, like Eddie Moore is a great example of somebody who's brilliant and has a lot of original work and very experimental. Yeah. And, and I know that, you know, he doesn't always get those kinds of gigs because, right. yeah. because he's trying to do something out of the box. Well, it's, it's like, I felt like, um, Record Bar did a good job of this on the when they had the Jeff Harshbarger nights mm-hmm. on Sundays uh, for a long time there mm-hmm. doing those. But then it becomes like, hey, there's more touring acts that are wanting to come through on a Sunday, so right. it, things just start getting bumped down the line, and then they don't have anywhere to go yeah. <laughs> to play. Yeah. You know, like there's got to be a place for um, because we want to say all these standards, right? And and like these are the standards we want to hear. Well, when those came out, those weren't standards. So those glad were, you said those that. were yeah like oh my gosh this is blowing my mind mm-hmm. kind of stuff like um so glad you said that that's the whole yeah. reason it's a standard is because it was so good when it came out it has become a standard and that's yeah. we have we have to set a new standard mm-hmm. yeah uh, <laughs> and let's let's do shout out eddie because my mind was blown was that two thursdays ago savah has brought back some live music I, and again i know i just i keep missing it like yeah. i'll see it like three days after it was posted mm-hmm. and i'm like damn it and you know back to corvinos that's an exciting yeah. thing for our city that we have yeah. alternative spaces where music can be performed and it's and that's it's not, and that it's restaurant not background is, music is like top shelf like that oh. restaurant is like top tier so he, uh he started two thursdays ago with inner circle who i had not sorry 
Outer Circle, thinking mm-hmm. of the yeah. Oh, yeah, Cool It Now. What's the uh, Inner Circle song? Past the Duchy. Oh, <laughs> I'm that's, old. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who am I thinking? No, that's not. That's somebody youth. All right. Anyway, <laughs> brain totally out. Um, Outer Circle had not seen them probably since uh, Californos right. seven yeah, yeah. years oh, ago yeah. when I was just blown away. It was, it was, it was a sublime experience. And then last week he was with Peter Schlam, Zach still on drums. I think yeah, ten, I think tomorrow night is with people. Yeah. And so basically he's presenting a different I think I think he's with Marcus Lewis last Thursday. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's this like is unreal. Time, it's yeah. free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course we're tipping the servers and buying their beverages and things right. like that. Well, so let's talk about what do we do? Like who's not responsibility that is that Amber Underwood, including yeah. Ashton, has had a great suggestion I thought last time is you know, we should celebrate these people. Yeah. And Calvin even talked about that. Yeah. Like why don't we see a billboard? Yeah. Uh, let's just keep going with Eddie Moore of Eddie yeah. Moore when I'm driving up 71, like right there. And people or, are like, what's that? Ernest Melton or Amber Flutie mm. Nastiness or these people that are like really of Herman, even though he's not, he doesn't tend to live here anymore. You know, like. Was just here though. Yeah, yeah. was just, just here. Building. Like mm-hmm. these, these like. Celebrate them. Yeah, celebrate them and like make sure that they're seen. Like them getting a cover of Jam Magazine isn't what we're talking about. Like we're talking about like yeah. really presenting it to the city as a thing that needs to to be there. Um, you know, it's it's tough. I think but, about I think about Buck O'Neill who passed. Yeah, and then was recently finally justly elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame, and how he sort of became an ambassador for. The Negro Leagues, you know, yeah. kind of like Louis Armstrong was for jazz. Yeah. Duke Ellington, Ella Fitzgerald traveling. It's like if Kansas City would take some of our contemporary artists, Marcus Lewis comes to mind, yeah. and some of these educators as well, and made them the face. I I think the city can do that in a combination, you know, working with some businesses to underwrite that. And some and some of these things are bigger than just our city. Like I know Marcus submitted Brass and Bougie record. Um, to the Academy as a jazz oh, album right. because yeah. it is. It's a big band jazz record that mm-hmm. happens to have MCs on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Academy would not accept it as mm. a jazz record, mm. even though it is a big band. Interesting. Like, it's just like... It's there's more about some... like, trying to put people in the boxes, I feel like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's a lot of work to be done on that front that could really help out. Like... Um, I don't know. There's, I think there's like a place like the Nighthawk is a, is like a nightclub, but like a speakeasy type place where it is about going and listening to the music and not just having a party would be beneficial Mm -hmm. to the, the community, Mm -hmm. you know, like where some, like it could be a small room. It could be something like a, um, like one of these cocktail bars, you know? that has like a small like little speakeasy type space and they just will host little jazz things but it's like the people are actually paying attention that was something i noticed at like those sunday night harshbarger jazz nights at record bar is it was quiet in there when the band was playing mm-hmm. like and if somebody started talking up during it somebody would like let them know that that was not okay you know well as i mentioned when we saw crystal warren that was a month ago now yeah Again, that's an alternative space. Peregrine Honex Greenwood Social. I mean, it was a you could hear a pin drop all night, yeah. but it was also mainly artists in the audience. Mm-hmm. It was people in the know. It wasn't somebody cruising in from Johnson County or Lee Summit or Raytown, not to diss those areas, to see some music. Right. So I think you got to set that expectation for the audience too. Like this yeah. is what we right. do here. Yeah. We're serious about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, 
and those places exist those places existed like they existed here mm-hmm. for a long time uh, and just just the way that things that kind of shook out it like we don't have one anymore um, but I think that the city needs that to change in order for us to continue to be like we're this great jazz city like it's always mentioned in like 18th and Vine and, and all these places and it's like well we just don't have that spot anymore that's doing that so two like or three even the foundations open till three five in the morning like yeah that's not a quiet place to be and like listening to jazz it's right it's a that's a party that's a party spot. right well and it's a little late yeah so you want so two yeah. to two to three dedicated listening rooms let's say that i'd say you just need one yeah start you really with one. just okay. need one yeah okay if you have one you're the the amount of stuff that'll be able to be done in that room is going to be amazing because um where do you tell a touring jazz musician to come play in kansas city they bypass it. They bypass it, yeah. which is yeah. insane. Yeah. Which is insane. Should yeah. not ever happen. Yeah, um, it, like, it just doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. It's the Ambassador Hotel that's now oh. got Lonnie's Reno Club. And okay. I want to say that was maybe like August, this summer. Okay. You know, it's coming out of the pandemic. It's hard to, I've not been there. I will say, you know, we've been doing some work with Charlotte Street. Eddie's been doing some mm. Proto Lab events yeah. over there. Alyssa Murray last month. They're doing a really cool thing. It's like EMS. I think they were at the ship last night. They're reinterpreting one of John Zorn's pieces that has no like written oh, notes. Have you that, heard about that? Is that the thing that Jeff was doing too? Yeah, Mike Stover, yeah, they, Jeff Harshbar. They did that a few years ago too. Every year, it's uh-huh. a trip. It's yeah, that's no, crazy. Yeah. So there's some venues trying to do that. It's just mm-hmm. not on a regular. Oh, it's regular. It's just not often enough. I think that's what we're saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it just needs to be like, like when you go to this listening room, you're going to be paying for a ticket, right? To sit down, yeah. And watch the show. It's not a, you know, like by all means, drink and have a good time. But it's not a, um, like there'd be nights when you would go to like, let's say Green Lady, for instance, and you can't even barely hear the band playing. Yeah, yeah. Because there's just so many people in there, and it's not like. It became not about the jazz so much anymore. Just the vibe? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The scene? Yeah. All right, so you work on the venue. I know someone <laughs> that does billboards. I'm serious about that. I think that's a really great idea. Like, why could we not get some of that TIFF money to go, I don't know, put up 10 billboards, one a month, rotating artists, yeah. and take it past jazz? I'd say, let's get some rock and sure. roll yeah, yeah. and some country and some reggae folks like Kansas sure. City artists. This jacket don't keep me warm, no. This jacket don't keep me warm, it's nothing like your arms, no But it's not like you used to do This jacket don't keep me warm, that's what summer was for But the fall came, then the fall came, then it all came down All came crashing down, I've been cold since you've been found I've been low since you in the ground yeah. I've been trying to hold on To the pieces you left me But I'm still hung up on Why you wouldn't let me in Just take the time to call I will catch you for Michelle, what, what's on your mind? What's something Just we need to do better? So uh, this is something that came up with the majority of my guests and it's something that's been on my mind for a long time and you all know that I've kind of started a series around it but the mental health issue mm. um, it is not specific to one venue it's not specific to one artist it's pretty much you know just industry-wide this is a thing that people have identified that you know like the 
the music industry is inherently, you know, that it's not set up to care about mental health, I guess, is the best way to put it. Um, and this came up with a lot of guests. It's like when you were trying to make it in the music business, then you're prioritizing things like your image and your stats and, you know, like all the business side of it. But a lot of that is, you know, when you're an artist, audience feedback, that is like a huge part. That is the biggest part of what you're doing. I mean, mm -hmm. if, if if the critics are out there talking trash on you, or if the audiences are not even coming or whatever it is, you know, that's going to take a toll on your mental health. Um, so I think that, you know, it's just not a thing that's prioritized. And, and like, I, even listening to um, a lot of major artists talking about stuff like that, you know, like one, one conversation I keep going back to in my series has been this... Uh, this conversation Phoebe Bridgers had with Music Cares, which is the uh, charitable arm of the Recording Academy. And she had talked a lot about how, you know, there was, I don't know if it was a label or a management company or somebody who was just like, hey, you need to write more sad songs and tweet more about sad stuff. And it's like, well, that's not where my head is right now. And, hmm. you know, how can you, so you're basically trying to capitalize on this difficult time in my life for this traumatic experience you mm. know so um I, and as far as like solutions go I, again it's like a way bigger picture sort of thing but we can i feel like we can start here in kansas city by you know at least just having the discussion and so that's one thing i've tried to do um at the bridge with the sound minds series so it it kind of started uh, with Brian Trudeau, who's my boss, like he had this idea to do like a music heals day. So we had listeners call in and uh, just identify songs that help them get through a difficult time or, or whatever, or something in their mental That's health cool. journey. Mm, I remember yeah. That. And, and then it kind of spawned this other conversation that, that went with the podcast because I had talked to all these other artists who were like, Hey, this is an issue for me and we don't talk about it enough in our scene. You know, and it just got me to thinking, well, we should delve more into it because there's really not that much research on musicians' lives overall, you know, and like our well-being. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you think about things like we're a lot of us are touring and that's a it's a it's a grind, you know, um, there's it's, just it's so, a tough lifestyle. I it think is people a, glamorize yeah, it like being on the road. Yes. And it's like you're mm -hmm. not sleeping in your own bed. You're not around family and friends because you're moving around. I liken it to like a professional baseball player or something, mm -hmm. you know. You're probably not eating the healthiest food. They're the right. natural vices that or you're going to find. Taco Bell. Of oh, course. <laughs> and shoving it <laughs> yes. down your throat because yeah. you've got yeah. five minutes for sound check. Yeah, you're in a different place every night. You yeah. don't know what to expect. Anything can happen. People want to be nice to you by offering you things yeah. that, you yes. know, maybe aren't the best for your health, etc. I mean, Stephanie, <laughs> yeah. I think when you interviewed Stephanie, that was your the second first time that I station station. really talked about okay yeah. I wanted to ask, can you talk a little about like the survey that you did too leading up to that as well with the bridge yes so I did a survey earlier in the year um, just kind of asking just kind of checking in you know asking musicians about like what are the what are the issues that uh, are specific to your career as a musician that affect your mental health that was like the main thing you know and and a lot of like the biggest thing that came up was like imposter syndrome or mm. this need to please other people. Mm -hmm. Because again, that's like 
that's the job. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we have to have these numbers or we have to have these people at our shows. Um, you can't, you can't really exist as an artist without other people. I mean, you just you know? talked about the high of having 400 plus adoring fans yes. that don't know your songs necessarily, but feeling kind of caught up in that wave. Absolutely. I'm sure you've been on the other end, Michelle. Where oh yeah. So many times. Yeah. To, especially There's on the road. Nobody. To oh yeah. People. I'm playing to the, we're playing to the bartenders in the other band. And trying to play your heart out, right? I'm not trying, right. but you're into right. the songs you wrote and yeah. created. Yeah. I also think with social media, which is still a very new thing for me, you know, there are studies now just talking about your serotonin levels or oh you're gosh. impacted because people mm-hmm. liked your stuff or right. you didn't get them right. Yeah. And it's like, oh my God, that's yeah, it's so all crazy. about like, validation. Yeah. So there are so many different factors that have gone into it. Um, and, and of course, you know, it also goes back to our healthcare system, which is a mess. And yeah. especially when it comes to mental health, you know, it's like, I have a full-time job and I have insurance, fortunately. But I didn't always, not when I was a working musician. And even as a full-time employee, um, there's not a lot in the infrastructure for mental health care. Uh, Heartland Song Network did some interesting surveys last year. One of them was a survey where they talked about like 65% of the people, this is with Diana, Chris, listening back to to these was really... been very informative again. <laughs> Wish I had more time. Being like, oh yeah, oh that's right. We talked about changing the world. Um, <laughs> and she was like, yeah, like sixty-five percent of the artists that we surveyed identified as full-time musicians, hmm. or, or sorry, as that was their career. That's interesting. But were you know part-time? So they, right. they they weren't. They don't have health insurance. They don't they don't have benefits like that. They can't right. go seek out those services even like proactively or preemptively. Mm-hmm. And, and that, like, even just the idea of being a full-time musician, that lends itself to all of these other things because you're not getting paid. I mean, generally, it's very hard to make enough money to live just as a musician. Yeah. And that was another thing that came up. I'm not going to try to, like, add more things, but, you know, just as far as, like, artists establishing their own value. And, and mm-hmm. a lot of times it's really hard to do that because the infrastructure is just not set up for that. To demand a decent wage or guarantee or compensation or hours or working Mm -hmm. conditions. Yeah, because a lot of times, you know, people, people who aren't in the entertainment industry don't necessarily get it. It's like, we want to be entertained. So come and entertain us, Uh, but not for enough money or not for what you deserve. That's something I've found, especially this past year. I mean... To sell records, we need live shows. So yeah. I basically focused this last yes. year on finding our artists and, and other artists that we like, that we care about, opportunities to play and make money. Right. But learning to act as their representative when people throw out numbers to me, like, that's not going to work. And let me tell you why. They're <laughs> yeah. going to drive to your place. They're Just like I'm able to drive to a job, so that's fair. And I just kind of walk through. They're going to be there for seven hours, mm-hmm. and you're offering them 50 bucks. That yep. they'll then divide between the other three band members. Yeah. So here's what I'm going to propose, and if you don't like it, no hard feelings, but it's just not going to work for our artists. Right. We might be able to find you somebody else, but because they need exposure. Right. And um, that feeds into that whole perception that I think affects people's mental health because yeah. it's like, well, I'm not worth anything. Then I mean, these people are telling me that I'm worth fifty dollars, and I'm this is what I'm trying to do with my life. Yeah. And so this imposter syndrome enters in. Yeah. And it makes perfect sense why it would. 
That's why we have no educators in the state of Missouri also, because they're all like $30,000 is the starting salary. Um, All right, so any... Any solutions? I know, so do you want to talk about like the initiatives with the Midwest Music yes. Foundation? That'd be a good start. Yeah, so that's kind of where we've started was with the Sound Minds th- thing through the bridge. Um, and that just spawned a conversation with Midwest Music Foundation, which I am on the board at. And it was just like, why aren't we using this money? You know, it's mm-hmm. like we've all wanted, to, we know the importance of mental health care. So let's allot some of that Abby's Fund money to going to mental health mm. so so yes now we have an initiative to where we are giving grants to musicians and music workers for various mental health services like mainly counseling but if you know people go to our website um and they can put an application out for a grant and we'll see you know it's so, it. sometimes that's all a person needs though is to know yes. you've got someone to listen to you who right. also is a professional right your friend yeah. or your family member some rando on the street have, have you all talked about you know like maybe trying to work with a particular yes. medical institution about we've been looking at a few private counselors and a few other um organizations mm-hmm. the difficulty right now of course especially through the pandemic is that everybody is backlogged yeah you know i mean it's really hard for anybody to find someone to talk to right now Mm -hmm. you know in places like truman i've heard you know it's it's a huge issue right now so and samuel rogers and things like that they just don't have enough workers for the need yeah i realize not everybody would be comfortable doing this i'm just throwing this out like what about finding a space where artists could come together i don't want to compare it to like an addiction mm-hmm. you know like a triple a or you mean a, like a group setting kind of thing well we all have some of the same challenges mm-hmm. like i'm dealing with Absolutely. being away from my family or yeah. I, my diet's turned into garbage i want to feel healthy maybe it's a group where we're going to get out and ride bikes together once me and we just so happen to both be bassists mm-hmm. i don't know i'm just trying to think of well like, yeah and that's something i've thought about too and you know of course with COVID, it's been a little prohibitive to get people together. Sure. But that was one of my goals with Sound Minds was to like do, I don't know, some kind of panel. I mean, you're talking about more informal stuff, of course, which I think is just get really important, but just getting people together and maybe just being able to talk about these things without any fear of judgment. Cause I think that's a huge part of yeah. it. It's like just the whole stigma of like, you know, this is one thing's like I go out or used to go out to shows all the time and I've met so many people and I like them you know we're friends or we're acquaintances or something but we never really talk about the important stuff mm-hmm. and and we're all struggling with it right so why don't we have a time and a place to like just be able to do that and then also just hang out right you know? right I think about like some writing groups I've been involved in they've been very cathartic where people again the gentleman I met yesterday from San Diego who's from Lawrence originally, but basically they partnered with the military. I think there's a military base, uh, Naval base in La Jolla or San Diego out there. And, you know, a lot of these soldiers, male, female, um, were dealing with PTSD Mm. and they couldn't talk about their problems. What they could do is they could write about their problems, some of them, and then they would work with artists to basically put their lyrics, song, their words mm. into lyrics mm-hmm. and then create a song. And there's like, oh my God, the outpouring, like you could just see the the weight lifted off some people's shoulders to sing it. I can't talk about it, but I could yeah. sing it. I could yeah. put it in a song. Huh. And they professionally record it. And 
That's gonna, awesome. I'm going to get that contact for you all. Yeah. You know, we talked about the Mixmaster Conference too, which is a great initiative started by Nick Carswell, Carswell and Hope, and Pink Royal and Silly Goose Records, who partnered with Bill Sundahl with the Crossroads Music Fest. And, you know, having those kind of events and sessions on a more regular basis to mm-hmm. talk about various things in the industry, because the Midwest Music Foundation is always there. I mean, they have right. a huge involvement in that. Mm-hmm. Um, wondering if there's a way we could do something like that. Because that's in September, right? Every year, you know, yeah. this spring, you know, to kind of get mm-hmm. the wheels turning. Like, what are the artists' needs? And let's come back six months later. And follow up. Yeah. Yeah. Chris, any thoughts on that? I mean, I know you certainly talk about mental health. Yeah. I mean, it's something that uh, it does need to be talked about more. And I think it's like, I've, like, I, I even mentioned it on a couple of our shows that, like, over the past, like, five years, I've had a couple uh I've had a couple of breakdowns yeah. where I was just like, this is too much. Like, mm-hmm. I can't handle this. Because um, it's not just artists. Yeah, it's yeah. It's staff, yeah. right? It's um, sound yeah. engineering oh, yeah. people. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it can be it can be a lot. It's a, it's not an easy... Like, like you said, it's a, always considered to be glamorous. Like, one of my favorite internet things is the what you expect backstage to look like. Uh, and it's just like a wild, <laughs> crazy party. And then what it actually is. And it's just everybody like sitting there on their phones uh, that is uh, incredibly accurate uh, <laughs> and it's not ever that glamorous uh, I mean it can be but it's not really ever that um, but uh, yeah I mean it's just it's tough uh, and when people don't talk about it that's usually when like problems arise um, you know and you're usually right there next to some alcoholic beverage yeah or oh yeah and like pack of working in that industry makes it very easy to be like yeah i could stay out with everybody for another three hours mm-hmm. um you know um i mean i noticed that i was like man i feel like i drink more than i ever have in my entire life i don't know why i just work at a bar yeah uh you know what i mean like it's just um there's just that stuff is more readily I, I, Alcohol is readily available everywhere, but sure. it feels like it is like so much a part of the industry mm-hmm. that people can lose themselves to it and to other things. You know, it's um, it's hard, and I've I've like had to make the tough choices of like cutting people out of my life when I was younger because I was just like, well, you're clearly going down a path that I do not, not want to be a part no. of. Yeah, yeah. so. Yeah. Um, well, and you deal with other like yeah. customer service pressures, like you know, jackasses wanting to. Mm. not wear their mask for example right now or yeah, argue yeah. with the door about the cover price mm-hmm. or whatever and so yeah know, and that stuff's like it's not it fun. may seem like a not not that big of a deal uh but have that happen to you for three hours straight at a show where you're not super happy to be there anyway uh and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh yeah. gotcha. for three hours straight you're getting beat over the head with um complaints and things like that and then Maybe uh, maybe the, those shows uh, always run back to back, and you do an early and a late. So actually, you're doing it for about six or seven hours, mm-hmm. or it's a uh, they're doing two back to back in in six succeeding days. So you mm-hmm. have you have oh, yeah. you have the Friday and the Saturday. So you get to run it back the next day. Right. Um, yeah. You know, it, it can be hard, but um, I, I I think that people are getting better about talking about it. Like. People in interviews are way more open about it, maybe a little too open sometimes <laughs> from some of the recent uh, things I've seen. I'm like, oh my God, why, why did you talk about that? Uh, but um, 
I think it's getting better. Yeah. Uh, people are talking, are being more talkative about it. I am always a person that, like, I will call people on the phone and talk to them, uh, and usually try to find somebody that'll know where I'm coming from on something just to be able to talk it out. Um, I know people don't use their phones for talking much anymore, but they should because it's awesome. Um, and totally uh, agree. I'm, yeah. I'm old though. Uh, right. Uh, I think I think we're yeah. kind of hearing the same thing as our yeah. previous. Like I, I like to set the goals. Like yeah, we need more spaces for people to discuss. Mm-hmm. We need to raise more awareness by continuing some of the initiatives Michelle's talked about. And I think we also need to continue to look like for other partnerships. Yeah. Um, yes. Another organization we work with this past year, Sounds of Saving. They focus on basically suicide prevention and mental health. Yeah. And then they ask the black creatures, you know, to cover an artist of their choice. And, you know, they've just some really killer programs. What's the other one a bunch of Kansas City artists did? It's not Cover Me we were talking about. It's going to drive me crazy. The Love Hangover. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're they're affiliated with Sounds of Saving as well. So mm-hmm. there, there are okay. some resources out there. You talked about Music Cares. It's like, how do we pool these things? And then get our local health care providers mm-hmm. and or businesses governments to say you need to take care of your artists with housing you also need to take care of them with some of these challenges that everybody faces going to say it straight up is artists need to promote themselves and there have been there have been some recent discussion about spotify numbers coming out Mm -hmm. and about how people on both sides of it like i'm not getting paid this is ridiculous look at all this stuff i made this you know amount of money um to also criticizing some people for sharing their numbers and saying you know like why are you and i'm not going to go down that road with this one about I can go down that road, Patrick. If somebody's proud of the numbers that they're that they're getting, then they by all means share them. I mean, like if somebody wants to yeah. shun them for that, is, they're just being ridiculous. Isn't that what social media is all That's about? Part though? of the deal. L- yeah, look yeah. at me. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> whatever. So, like I said, I'm not going down that road. But, but I guess what it what got gets me to thinking about with that particular is like anybody can put out music on Spotify, and that includes me. I can't sing and I can't write a song. I mean, I, I try. Uh, just like I can put out a video today, right? It doesn't mean that my art or my creation is worth a penny. And so if you want someone to stream you more or follow you more, you probably ought to let people know that you have a release coming out, not the day of. Yep. Um, if you want people to support you and buy the CD that, again, that's assuming you have the money to record it either at home or in a studio, that you can manufacture compact discs and we don't want to go down the road with vinyl. That you're going to book the show, you're going to promote the show to get people to come there to buy those records you just made. I think that there's 
this idea for many artists that I speak with regularly, and some of these artists have been around for a long time, that they've created something and therefore they deserve something. And it's, it's a yes. sense of entitlement. Yes. And what I try to tell people is, look, you know, if you're if you're happy coming out once every three months and playing a show or six months to your friends and family, and you appreciate that, awesome. Because I can't do that. I don't know how to play <laughs> guitar, and I'll come pay for you, right? But if you think that you're going to be able to make a living from this, and that people are going to come seek you out, there's just too much music out there. They can't find you. You have to mm-hmm. actively be promoting yourself all the time. We've had a lot of conversations about how I think most artists, and Michelle, you can relate as an artist, um, they want to create. That's their. They've got a desire to do that. It's something inside of them, whether you're a visual artist, a musical artist, right? Um, but to be a successful artist that has a career, you've got to be an entrepreneur. And it's not necessarily right. fun no. to do no. the tedious things not like book all. a show or make the flyers. Chris has got some lovely flyers for his Journey Pro event here. Mm-hmm. It took time to draw that, get someone to do it, print it. And so it kind of gets unromantic and it becomes a chore. So I get all that, but... For us as a label, I'm going to stop this right now. Yeah. When we're looking for an artist, talent is still always going to be the number one thing. you got to have the goods. I don't care if it's reggae music, speed metal, hip-hop. We want you to be excellent. But equally as important, I'm going to say it here, is that we see actively, oh, I, I try to do, I try to post. Well, I need to be better than this. Like, no, we see that you're out there pushing it every single day at every opportunity letting people know you're reaching for the stars right mm-hmm. and I've, I've also seen something that and this happens a lot is you'll see people apologize for uh how often they're posting about a thing and i'm like why are you apologizing yeah. for that no nope. and then and then they'll be like oh well some people get annoyed i'm like well if those people are, are annoyed then they can fuck off yes because <laughs> because yeah. they're they not clearly the don't care yeah they clearly so. don't care about yeah. what you're doing like mm-hmm. you know so like just keep keep pounding the drum and keep putting stuff out every day or whatever you're doing just keep doing it because if you're doing it that much people are going to see it and take notice of it you michelle you mentioned again off air i've had a discussion like you'll find out about artists new releases through your own digging just through yeah 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 like hey why haven't you played my song right yeah i mean we've definitely had people right into the bridge or whatever and be like well you're not playing my music well have you submitted your music (laughs) no okay Okay. well (laughs) I think you've got your answer you know and we do try to do our best you know like we people like me and Chris Aguirian of course we have a lot of contacts in the music scene so if we see something come across on Facebook we'll try to log it and then go back and listen but you know there's so much going on and there is so much talent happening in this Mm -hmm. town which is great, but yeah, you have to get it to the right people. Sometimes you'll have somebody who's like friendly and knows somebody and will send it for you. Yes. But usually I do. you need to be doing it yeah. yourself. Yeah. I yeah. do. I can't tell. I'll yeah. send a text. Everyone's going to be like, hey, do you have this yet? Mm-hmm. I, think so I, did I, it. I think I did it for like the Liam Kazar Liam Kazar, yeah. So, and which is awesome. Notes, I, yeah. I try to respond to every single human being that reaches out through email, text, however they track me down, right? Yeah. And I tell them, here's who I'd go talk to. Here's who you need to talk with at yep. KKFR the bridge. Mm-hmm. Here's who you should talk to at the pitch. Here are the venues you might want right. to consider. I'm a little hesitant about giving out email addresses, though. Again, if I haven't seen a display of promotion. Mm. Yeah. And I tell them, yeah, posted three times in the last year. So if you can post for the next couple of weeks, then I'll hook you up. I mean, I'll hook you up. I'll try to share. Right. Because everyone here has been so nice to us and so helpful. It's like I don't, I'm not some gatekeeper, but I'm also not going to put you out there if 
I'm doing more work than you mm-hmm. to make that happen. Like just for example, today for the Black Creatures, you know, we're getting ready to put out another record. Hopefully in the spring it's done, but we need shows to sell the records at. And so I just, you know, blind email probably 50 venues and apply to 10 festivals. Mm-hmm. And so when I hear artists say, man, I can't get a gig. I'm like, did you do what I just did today? Because I've already gotten back four responses today, including yeah. a couple of festivals. Like we're locked and guarantees like yeah. mm-hmm. good money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it, you just need to go do it. I will say, yeah. I will say that those blind emails are not fun. Can be just absolutely soul crushing. So yes. like you could you there was a time in my life where I was doing that a lot and yeah. I was doing it like a lot like too much probably. Uh, right. And I burnt myself out on it where sure. I was like doing the blind emails too much where yeah. I, I wasn't using connections. I was using just like scattershot, mm-hmm. uh, just start linking stuff together and start piecing stuff together. Who do I need to talk to? Who who do you know? Who do you like sort that stuff out? And it'll be very helpful. And those uh, those become less uh, those emails become less blind. I'm, I'm doing I'm kind of doing blind messaging now doing in, the this, same thing right in this, now, Chris. In, this um, in this wrestling stuff because mm-hmm. these people don't know who I am. Um, so it like changes, I'm right? coming in, yeah, yeah, and you like contact, and I and I also understand how to formulate a message to get a response. So <laughs> that's a big, that's a big, yeah. To part like, be like this will look professional. Yeah, like I sent a professional email with a with a footer that a wow. signature, oh, you know, sure. uh, <laughs> those things that make it look professional, even though it's far from it, and you'll see some <laughs> grammatical errors and things like that. But at least there, they whoever is seeing. The email or the message should feel your passion for it just in that one message so that they feel like they need to message you back about mm-hmm. it. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that too, though, about being professional because you brought that up, Chris, too. It's like, I mean, I am an English teacher. I have a thick skin about getting rejected, but also like writing wise. Like when I send a message to Michelle, I'll just tell you right now, Michelle, I, I got to read it like three or four times oh, before yeah. I press send. Same. Because I know who I'm working with. <laughs> yeah. But it's also just in general. It's like a cover letter. Like if you didn't... Mm-hmm. I also have like fat fingers. So if it's on, on my phone, it'll like... Autograph. You'll, get, you'll the get the... I still yeah. use one yeah, finger. Yeah. 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 I am old. <laughs> so, but to the point though, it's like as an artist, it's like, you know, showing up in flip-flops and shorts. Chris Aguirre, let's say for a stage, it's like be a professional. Like stage. send yeah. a decent email. Yes. Follow up on the email with a thank mm-hmm. you, even mm-hmm. if they rejected you. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So what can we do? To help artists understand the importance, a and then maybe also show them how to do it. I keep going back to Mixmaster. Yeah, it's like like something yeah. like Mixmaster, but that is like where's the manual we make? Yeah, where's mm-hmm. it's like a teaching thing. Like we we said um, we'd always make this joke at Record Bar whenever we do like the long all day School of Rock things. Mm. That it's cool that these kids are learning how to do these songs, but. Uh, these kids can't stack their gear back here for shit. Yeah. It's yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Uh, and it's yep. a problem. Like you can't walk anywhere because all of their gear is scattered all across everywhere. I was like, where's the, um, where's the advanced level school of rock yeah. thing where they teach you how to talk to a sound guy? Because mm-hmm. these kids often come in and because they've been the hot thing at their school of rock mm-hmm. school, they come into a professional venue and treat the staff like shit. It's a separa. And it's like, what are you doing? Like, mm-hmm. do you, this is not how this works at all. It's like, there needs to be like almost like an advanced level where it's like, hey, this is how you stack gear in the back. This is how you show up on time. This is how you treat people when you're working in a venue. This is how you uh, parallel park a van. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, a job. I need there's that. like the advanced <laughs> level uh, school of rock stuff that I think it's a fun thing that they do there, but I feel like there is 
so much more to teach these kids before mm-hmm. they actually get out there and start being bands, you know? Yeah. Um, do, but do, there's there's got to be something like that even for people that are in bands now that isn't like, you know, kids related. It yeah. can be, you know, people now, they, they need to be able to go somewhere and learn these things without just having to, you know, trial and error. Has, has the bridge, I mean, God, the bridge does so much, Michelle. I hope you know we just... Kind of depend on you all to provide a lot of services for our artists. Same thing with Miss West Music Foundation. Like you can't keep coming back to the same two groups to do yeah. everything. But have you ever all thought about that? I mean, you do so much to well, support we have City artists. Done, you know, through like our editorial stuff, we have mm. done like a, a a few years ago. We did this series called Making the Bands. Oh yeah. So it was yes. myself and Dan Calderon who. Uh, used to be a reporter for Flatland. Okay. And we did this whole thing, like a three or four part series about like, here are the things you need just to do it locally. Or, yeah. you know, because it's like, I, I think that one good thing is having labels like yours um, mm-hmm. that are for these bands that may not know anything about the process of like, mm-hmm. oh, I have to submit my music to these places. Oh, I have to call these people to get a gig or, you know, mm-hmm. very, some of these basic things. Um, and that's kind of where our series was. Okay. Um, so I think it is, there There are avenues already for people that are kind of just starting out. But yeah. once it gets to like that mid-level to like where you're, okay, I'm ready to play outside of Kansas City. You know, going back gotcha. to what you said, Chris, you know, there, or no, I don't know which one of you said it now, but it's like, <laughs> there are so many bands in Kansas City that I feel like I've talked to that are like, well, we never got our due. Mm. Um, and and they might be popular in Kansas City, but they've never managed to get anywhere else. Right. And they wanted to. It, it is different for those bands that are happy to like come back once a year, which mm-hmm. totally nothing wrong with that. But the ones that are like, well, I should have gotten this accolade and I didn't. And those are often the people who aren't taking it to the next level. I think. I guess for me, being an outsider it's a little easier to be direct with some of those artists about what I see. And I get it. Sure. Family situation, job situation. Absolutely, But yeah. I was like, well, if you got a full-time job, There's it's always... probably not going to happen. Right, right. You, you're gonna Unless have... you have it set to where you can, yeah. It's one yeah. or the other. And I'm not right. judging you. I'm just telling right. you. Right, but you're... I mean, it's a huge it's a huge job. Yeah. I know, like, you know, again, Chris Aguirian had had a handout at one of the, maybe the last Mixmaster, oh, right. about all the places where you could like go to press or media about mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering like like a, how to be an artist like 101 or something you know partnering maybe with like artist mentorship with some of their kids so yeah. like you teach them younger yeah. and they're a great resource I'm yeah. thinking of like Joe McKenzie recently yes you know uh-huh. she is 17 I'm guessing maybe 18 now senior in mm-hmm. high school she just released a really new single Tourist mm-hmm. um, you know she's got the gumption to reach out and ask me you know, hey, what do you think of this song? Or like, you know, give me a phone call a year ago screen. Like, yeah. who should I? I'm like, I'll tell you everything I know. For me, I just think like to save time. And I imagine for you too, Michelle, like, if I just had it all in one document, that yes, read this, absolutely. Uh-huh. I'm going to give you a multiple choice quiz. And if you pass, <laughs> we can continue to have conversations. It's also just like, I think that, um, like I, I also, like recently, when right before I left Record Bar, there's this kid that played there, Paris Williams. Yeah. Uh, is the great. rapper. He's great. Um, but I was like talking to him and I was like, do you know any of these people in Kansas City? And I like rattled off like several like hip hop producers. And he was like, I know of them, but I don't know them. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and he had just moved here from Michigan mm-hmm. uh, with uh, 
the Black Star Kids and everything. But um, I was like, well, I'm going to reach out to them for you and see if it's okay if I can give them their contact info. Right. You know, and like, granted, like some of them were like, hell yeah, like here, here's my info. But it's like, there's not there's not resources for these people that are like up and coming. Like, who do I need to talk to? Who do I know? Who like, mm-hmm. he would have just been, if I didn't say something, Paris would have been like, man, I really need to work with Dominic Sanders sometime, but would not know how to like facilitate that. You Understood. know, like there just yeah. wouldn't be that. Like, I'm like, this kid's really good and he's got a lot of talent. Like, um, I'm going to have him reach out to you. And he's like, Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, here's my contact. That, that goes back to, the community here is excellent. I feel yeah. like there are a lot of people who are not only willing, but eager to connect and see mm-hmm. the success of other artists and try yeah. to support them. Yeah. And that's a beautiful thing I'm sure you don't find in other cities. Yeah, It's the industry component, though, like, again, just like 101, how to write a press release, 101, how to load your gear in. How to well, talk to people. <laughs> exactly. Well, that could just yeah. be a societal challenge. Well, no, just, I, think it's, I think that, but in music, too, it's like, um, we've talked about this. Uh, and it's it kind of goes it goes into the promoting of yourself is like if you aren't going to anything how are people supposed to know who you are yeah yeah um like if you're not out oh, in getting the community involved. like getting involved sure and if you aren't talking to people while you're at these things like how yeah are they, how are they supposed to know you that's another mm-hmm. you know? definite challenge like if you do if you do like one thing if you go to like one or two things in this city you can meet Michelle Bacon or Patrick Spray right. yeah, or, just, yeah. or One Chris Aguirre or time. like, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Just go out and do some stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and be involved in the community in ways that will, your people will immediately think of you because you are always there. Yeah. Okay. So my task now, since I gave you two homework is to write the manual mm-hmm. and then find Get ways the to present this, um, maybe through some more events like a mix master or maybe partner with the foundation or just a place to present for people that are interested. Like mm-hmm. if you really want to know and we'll promote it <laughs> three times before yeah. the event, starting yeah. a month ahead of time and we'll hashtag and tag people appropriately and just see if we can start somewhere. I mean, I just, again, you look at other cities, same thing with labels, like other places can do it. Mm-hmm. Like Calvin said, like mm-hmm. there, someone's there capturing photos of shows and getting it into press. Like, why can't we do these things? Let's just do it. You're talking about jazz dedicated listening rooms and billboards, right? And just supporting jazz more. Supporting in jazz, making them celebrities. Yeah. Face of Kansas City. Michelle's working on more mental health resources or spaces for and people community. to discuss in community. Yeah. 
And then I've got the manual. The manual. How to be an artist. We got a lot of work. Artist for Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I'm so grateful for your partnership, Michelle Bacon. Chris Mowry, it's been a pleasure. Likewise. I don't think we Same. knew we'd last this long. So it's a testament <laughs> to both of your patience and flexibility. We're still here. I am wishing you both happy holidays. You too. Celebrate you. and hopefully health. And we're going to get through this thing. And mm-hmm. we'll all be rocking out in 2022 and beyond. Yep. All right. Absolutely. Kansas City, stay safe, stay strong. Peace out. Yeah, I think that, you know, the challenges that this or, that this city has, that this area has, is that we straddle a state line. We have dozens and dozens of municipalities and counties, and it's, it's hard to get, you know, anybody to agree on anything or a consensus. I mean, the only kind of regional organizations besides MARC, which is the Mid- Mid-America Regional Council or the Midwest Arts Alliance, I don't know how you put together a cohesive plan, you know, when you got all these different governmental entities in this one place, you know, you go to, to Austin or um, other cities, it's one city, one county, once, I mean, you're not dealing with all this stuff that you're dealing in our municipal area. So I think our region mm-hmm. in and of itself makes it really difficult to come up with any kind mm-hmm. of a cohesive plan or, or way to execute mm-hmm. it. Um, but it's also kind of what makes us unique. Um, I just think that we have world-class assets here that are not getting the time and attention they need. We've got the Kaufman Performing Arts Center. We have the Conservatory of Music. We have the music up at Park University, that program up there, which a lot of people don't know anything about. The Harriman Jewell series at William Jewell College. Um, we have... I'm stealing this. This is not original to me. We have world-class Olympic level musical athletes here that we are training to be furniture movers. We have trained to be furniture movers. Yes. Yes. <laughs> wow. You're going to go to the conservatory or William Jewell or whatever, spend hundred thousand dollars on an education. And then what are you going to do with it? Um, you're going maybe. to maybe get a gig playing, in the orchestra at the dinner theater or play at the Black Dolphin six nights a week to know, I mean, what are you supposed to do with all of this knowledge and all of this training? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, they, and they relegate themselves to that. And, and I, there needs to be the next level of um, opportunity for these people to show mm-hmm. what they can really do. Um, the thing I love about Kansas City, and one of the reasons I choose not to leave, is we have everything I want here in terms of music. And not just jazz. I mean, yes, we've known, we're known for jazz, but there's so, so much more. We've got world-class everything here. Um, the Ensemble Iberica organization, those people are all world-class musicians mm-hmm. and all different kinds of uh, genres of music. So um, I think we have the the raw material or everything we need to be a first class so-called music city or area. Um, but the the frac the fractions that there's just so much. There's so many, like I said, so many different governmental entities. Unless there's going to be some sort of by state commission or regional commission that I don't know about that can kind of be the 
the catalyst for that, I mean, that's one of the reasons we call ourselves a network, the Heartland Song Network. We don't want to be defined by just Kansas City. We don't want to be confined by genre. We want to try to figure out how to pull a lot of this uh, together. And I guess that's probably my, the passion that I have. I think we have the raw materials and, and the tools that we need to make this, to take this to the next level and to be a place that people want to live. I mean, we want our artists to stay here and raise their families here and spend their money here. We don't want them to go off, going off to Austin and Nashville and LA starving to death for years and then decide, you know, I need to go <laughs> because they're starting to yeah. come back now because the technology being what it is. And this lockdown has proved a lot of that. If you can figure out the technology, you can stream from anywhere and put out a pretty good product and don't have to go out on the road anymore. People like Hayes Carl and Bandy Heathens and some of these other artists that I love have, uh, I would venture to say, they have figured it out, figured out the technology. They're doing shows every week. I bet they're making more money now than they've ever made. Mm. And they're not mm. having to go out on the road and miss their families. And like I said, eat horrible food and not know what city. I mean, I think just mentally and physically, hopefully they figured it out to mm -hmm. where maybe the new paradigm is not going to look like the old way of touring and all that other kind of stuff. I'm, I'm intrigued so much by that thought of the fractured municipalities here, which of course we see a perfect example of in our reactions to COVID, you know, for oh, example, yeah. Yeah. different state lines can have venues open till different times. Some people have to wear a mask here and there. And so can just get, the states, yeah. but from one municipality to the next. Yeah. Kansas Cass City County, Wyandotte County. Kansas City is so, five different counties. I mean, how, I live in Kansas City, but I live in Platte County, and it's got different rules than Clay County. The different rules from Jackson County, different. I mean, it's just yeah. So even if one county or city government decided to get behind it and appoint Diana Ennis, you know, music czar, czarina, I suppose, that's only going to be relevant in that you know geographical mm -hmm. area. And it, it's going to need like a commission. It's going to take like in St. Louis, growing up in St. Louis, they had what they call the bi-state, bi-state transportation system or something like that. And so the bus system and a lot of transportation issues all came under the purview of this bi-state commission because mm -hmm. it was not getting done otherwise. And maybe it's going to have to be something like that. There is a regional commission whose mission and whose mandate is to be an advocate for the arts. Um, mm -hmm. And there may already be one out in the Midwest Arts Alliance or the Mid, Mid America Arts Alliance. You know, I think that that's, they are, they are Missouri, Iowa, Nebraska, Kansas, um, you know, something like that. It's just, mm -hmm. Time and money, that's all it takes. <laughs> yeah, time, I was just going to say, time and money. And I'll be honest, I get confused with various organizations sometimes or acronyms. Like I can't keep things straight. Um, and maybe that's just wishful thinking that there could be one entity that actually could manage that. But again, these are common themes Chris and I have discussed in other programs. Like, you know, there are people in Johnson County listening to coming into the city to listen to music and... How do, you, how do you tap into that? How do you build into their school system? And again, 
north of the river, et cetera, et cetera. We've got some geographical barriers too, but you're absolutely right. I do think, and mention some other programs, it is still fairly affordable in Kansas City, although things are changing. And people, I think, do realize that value. Like, I'd, I'd rather be here than be starving to, you know, make ends meet living on somebody's couch in New York for five years. Um, but on the other hand, it also is kind of a safety net, too, where people know they can keep another job here as an artist, as a musician, and, not, and that maybe holds them back from going uh, full tilt into, into yeah, I've, I've asked artists about that. I just interviewed a group, uh, a duo, husband and wife called Barnaby Bright. That oh um, yeah, that has, they've lived in New York and in Nashville. Now they've come back home to Kansas City. And I, I asked them, do you feel it's necessary to live in New York or Nashville to be in the music business? Do you, is is that a given? Do you have to do that? Um, they kind of were of a mind that it is important to go there at some point because of the network that's available there. doesn't mean you have to stay there. And, um, but it is important probably to go and be there for a while. Sure. If you can sure. somehow, some way. Um, so Barnaby Bright has moved back to Kansas city. Julia Othmer just moved back to Kansas city. Um, oh, has she officially? Yeah, she just moved back. Um, the woman that did an interview with us for our first webinar is a woman who's never lived in Kansas City before. She's been in LA for 30 years and she's one of these sync licensing gurus that I told you about. Yeah. She's, she just went through you know, a horrific divorce and everything and she just had to get out of LA and she heard about how great Kansas City was. She didn't know anybody here except for a few people and she's living here now and she's able to apply her craft and do her art from here. And I think we're probably going to find more and more people doing that as the word gets out. Um, because, That's encouraging. Yeah. Yeah. I'm starting to hear more and more of that. And I've, I've known kids that have gone off to Nashville. Some of them are still there, um, but they, they put in their two or three years of starving there and then they end up coming home and, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, trying to use this as a base. One of the things we've, we've done a survey, Heartland, we've surveyed our membership and I'm going to get the numbers wrong, but something like over 60% of our respondents, they consider themselves professionals, professional musicians, mm -hmm. but they also only are gigging part-time. Mm. So, um, to me, somebody it's, is a professional, that's their gig, you know, that's what they do full time. That's yeah. how they make their yeah. living. But there's, there's not a whole lot of people mm -hmm. that are based here in Kansas City outside of the classical musicians that are with symphony or an orchestra that plays a lot um, that can say that they're full time musicians and that's how they they make their living. To be honest, I, I do see myself as an outsider when it comes to the Kansas City music scene. There are many people I don't know. I, I certainly know all the people that overlap with Folk Alliance, so I'm, I'm hesitant to give much information because I don't know a lot. But I, I will say that um, from what I've seen, I have seen growth over the last, you know, five, seven years in, in that community. And I think 
I think the Kansas City community needs to be patient and understand that um, we're not going to magically become a music city overnight. And it's, it is a process. And, and then I think there has to be an intentional growth. I remember a conversation, um, Lewis Myers was on a panel and um, the mayor was on this panel, I think a, a long time ago. And it was, you know, will Kansas City be the next Austin? It was some something titled like that. And we want to be careful about things like that. Do we, I don't know if we'd ever want to be the next Austin. Um, you know, where we're, our artists wouldn't be able to afford to live there. So we need to think about uh, what this means when, when growth is occurring. But I do think that um, we need to make sure that there's engagement on a city level with um, supporting our artists. And I, I would love if Kansas City did become a music city, like from the, the music city government aspect of it um because there are there is a whole organization the music city um project I, i'm actually not sure exactly how that's titled so i think it would be good if we somehow found ways to have the city endorse that and to invest in music in the city um mm -hmm. i don't know exactly how that happens or how we move that forward though didn't the city do its own art thing. Uh, it's not, I, it's not, um, I can't remember what the name of it was, but they had like Janelle Monet and uh, the roots yeah. and all those kind of Open things. Spaces. Open spaces. Open spaces. I, I wanted to say outer spaces and I know that's, that's not it. Uh, it's close. It's really close. Mayor James, <laughs> yeah. That would have been 2018 to Mayor James yeah. initiative. And it was supposed to take place or they're going to review it, but every other year, I believe was the initial plan. And the thing with that too, is that that seemed rushed uh, just as an outsider looking into how it happened, doing an outside stuff at Starlight in October, that's not gonna work and it didn't and they lost a bunch of money. So I'm, I'm wondering if um, how, they're, how they're viewing that now, you know, as-, as well, like, it's a Yeah, go ahead. Well, it's a different administration, frankly, and yeah. and that was, um, I think, in part a reason why an office, the Office of Culture, I forget the name of the, the office, um, in the mayor's office was shut down this past year. It was um, funding stopped in April of 2020, mm -hmm. so the, the new mayor cut that office completely, um, which was in, back in March, I, many of us were testifying as to why why they shouldn't be cutting funding to um, to the culture office. We, Kansas City, is one of the few cities in this country that does not have a cultural office in, um, in our city structure, which is yeah. frankly, it's just shameful. Uh, mm -hmm. Culture is extremely important. Of course, then the pandemic hit and no one really knows what happened, but he cut the people, that office was eliminated, three jobs were removed. Well, one job went to um, another part of the city, but, and we do have a film office still, um, but that's it. And yeah, I mean, that was, I mean, obviously clearly mistakes were made in that event and it, mm -hmm. it, as, as somebody, I could totally understand them going, well, that didn't work. We got to cut this off and, and try something else. But um, yeah, I just, that, that whole, that whole thing, I, I, remember a, a, a year later, they're like, hey, 
a bunch of people still haven't gotten paid from that event. So yeah. it's like, the, can't do the that. Open, the open spaces was actually, I think about 10 weeks, Chris. And then that was, that was the culminating weekend at Starlight. So they had installations and exhibits all throughout the city. Mutual Musicians Foundation still has their art piece. It's lovely. And I'm sure we could have long conversations too about the planning process or how things were spread out. But I, what I really like is hearing what Jennifer's talking about, yeah. like that need for the city yeah. to make a commitment. And I would say this extends, we talked about those with Diana last time, not Kansas City, Missouri, <laughs> Kansas. We've got so mm -hmm. many municipalities here. It's kind of hard to connect all the dots with the state line, but making that you know intentional concerted effort to say we're behind this when we give TIFs to corporations, that money should go towards the arts and some of that, I'm not saying all of it, whatever, a tenth of 1%, whatever. And, you know, Jennifer, you talked about as a child, you know, having, uh, you know, arts classes in school, as mm -hmm. you know, those things have been cut. These are going to recurring themes we've been discussing. Yeah. Let me ask you, do you feel artists feel they're supported here? The ones that you're in contact with? Do you feel like they feel like they can make a living or they have ways to be entrepreneurs? Do they feel like they need to get out of here? I think, I mean, uh, the pandemic has in many ways helped communities like Kansas City in the sense that, um, you know, I, I remember talking to a friend that moved to Nashville and discussing all the new possibilities that he has now living in Nashville because he can go to the coffee shop and run into this random person where he couldn't do that while living in Kansas City or any other city. I've had this conversation with many other people. So there's there's that benefit, that natural benefit of being in a space like Nashville that you cannot get in Kansas City. It's just impossible. And even Folk Alliance, like we can't do that. We're, we have partner organizations that are in Nashville and they're making connections that um, are much more difficult for us to make. But when we're in this, year of the pandemic where this space is we're all in the same like location now we're all mm -hmm. in this virtual world um so that's one benefit or at least like we have opportunities to take advantage of that it's, it's still mm -hmm. we're limited and and i think that's okay that we're limited we just have to be far more creative and far more intentional about how we move beyond those spaces so that we can reach people that we're not able to naturally reach by going into a grocery store or by showing up at a venue. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's, it's more challenging. It's absolutely going to be more challenging. But in other ways, it's easier. The cost of living is less expensive here. Um, you know, we have maybe travel is cheaper. You, you have to weigh those things in. But in other ways, though, I think maybe we have to be willing to reach out our networks and um, think of ways that we work with people in those music cities or, or um, cities like LA where there's a lot of publishers out there. So how, mm -hmm. how are you going to make those connections and how are you going to use those resources of people um, to make sure that you stay relevant in mm -hmm. where you want to be relevant mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and in many okay. ways it's more difficult to do that in kansas city it's that's just the reality yeah sure well and as you mentioned too we've got some geographical benefits and that we're you know in the middle on the other hand mm -hmm. 
internationally or you know having those connections to some of the bigger music markets isn't always as easy Housing and living in Kansas City for artists um, accessible and comfortable. We need to continue that. We need to retain the original citizens of Kansas City. I have said it on a number of board meetings. I've said that over and over and over again. And I don't feel like that is an, an effort um, made by the city right now. And I think that needs to absolutely be fixed. And that would impact the music scene online. I also feel like something that I, I, I don't feel like I'm not original in saying this. And I feel like a number of people have said this, but I do think that Kansas City is ready now to accept and listen to and welcome criticism and, and, and constructive feedback in a way that's mm -hmm. going to help them to grow. And I feel yeah. like that um, if you stand up and there's a lot of stigma around being critical and even that's constructive criticism, not critical where you're just being an asshole. Like that's not, no, that's just not constructive and that's not helpful. But there mm -hmm. are things to say that could help mold a better culture and, or make better music or make better people in the scene, et cetera. And it should be okay to say that. And not in a council culture sort of situation and gossiping, but there's just, you know, and I feel like that if Kansas City would be open to that, I feel like there would, it would only be a growth situation. And uh, I would love to have people, I'd love to know that people felt more comfortable voicing um, their thoughts. And even if those thoughts weren't all just superlatives. Judy, that's why we, that really was, Chris knows, that was the mission of this podcast was, and it's turned into more about the, the human being behind the venue or the record store, the record label, because we like listening to you. But no, that really was the intention of this program was to, it's not about criticism. It's not a negative word. It's like, let's evaluate, let's analyze, yeah. let's really see what we could do better here to keep our musicians here so they don't move away. So they don't sign with a record label. And I always say Ohio, I don't know why, poor Ohio, uh, Tennessee, whatever. And so <laughs> if you don't have those honest conversations about what you can do better and, and find ways to make a stronger industry and community. It's just not going to happen. And mm -hmm. I think that people here are very so nice and kind. And that is a very important quality, especially in 2021. Yeah. But I don't necessarily want to be a cheerleader. I would, you know, tell my students all the time, like my job is not to tell you that everything's great. I'm a doctor here. You can't finish a sentence. You don't know that vinyl is not a <laughs> So I'm not criticizing you. I'm just trying to let you know you're going to keep making these mistakes. And if, if we can get to a place, I think, where we can openly share that um, and differences of opinion, it's going to make for a stronger, a stronger industry. Yeah. Do you, have you all ever done any, like, um, 
record store like conversations we we i asked we had like a, a label summit back in november and i've been really bad about getting these notes but we had mm -hmm. about 20 plus record labels in kansas city and um we had about a dozen participate and it was really just kind of an icebreaker first meeting but very quickly we started talking about things like where are we getting our vinyl uh -huh. what are you using for your manufacturer um, what are you pricing things like what are the pros and cons of this particular and it was it was awesome yeah I mean, we just have not had a chance to do one again has there ever been talk of that with record store owners um i don't think so i have not that not that i've been involved in um, I do, uh, you know, uh, probably, I, I don't know if this is it or not. I do know that like, just in terms of there's so many different adventures that I'd love to be a part of. And, and especially right now, we're trying to keep payroll costs low that, yeah. um, I'm doing all I can do to keep that store going. <laughs> I hear you. I'm not keeping it going. It sounded really desperate and I don't mean that, but sometimes just owning your own business and just being in charge of that business is a full, you know, full and part-time job combined. Yes, Judy. So I'm not saying that we shouldn't do that because I think that's a great idea. I think that probably is why that stuff hasn't happened. Yeah. Oh, no. And that's why we haven't had another meeting with the labels. But I, I kind of brought that up too, thinking about venues, Chris. You know, I mean, you're still receiving no income. You're still receiving no assistance from the government. And so what was it, last June when Neva formed? the National Independent mm. Venue Association. Yeah, I think it was June. There, there'd never been one before because by definition, you're an independent venue. We don't right. want to be a live nation. We're not, we, we do things the way we do things, but because yeah. of the pandemic, it basically forced some venue owners to kind of, you know, circle the horse and be like, we have got to put our heads together and see. And I'm sure there were some tough conversations in there. I bet you there were some people that probably didn't particularly care for the other person's business practices, but Let's see what we can do. Like, how are you guys going to do ticketing? How are you going to do, um, you know, I just think that opportunities arise where perhaps, you know, joining those forces, at least putting your heads together might lead to some better industry practices. Yeah, no, I, I think you're absolutely right. Because I know that I've gotten, um, um, I've formed some relationships with different um, stores across the country. And I've learned so much, even just from those conversations. So it only makes sense that it would happen um, market-wide as well. Yeah, yeah. Again, if we all had the time in the day. Hopefully everything those of us who are white people of privilege have seen this year is Black Lives Matter and Trans Lives mm -hmm. Matter. And I think as a live music community, we need to identify that. We need to acknowledge that we have probably not given enough opportunity and assistance. And we just have to find ways to work on finding greater representation, greater equity in live music. And that's down to who hires to workplaces to make sure that people of color, to make sure that women, that, you know, any, any human that can find a job and has a chance to move up the ladder and have greater opportunity. That means to find greater and more music anywhere we can and booking anything and everything that we can by all humans, especially marginalized humans who are creating music, who have probably had to work 10 times harder than I had to work as a white person. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think I'm seeing in Kansas City, I think it's working. I think there's a, a really positive sense of community of, I hope, and what I'm seeing and from what I 
you know, again, what I'm watching online is that there's really good representation. I think that you're seeing it at the record bar. I think you're seeing it in certain places. I think, you know, Shuttlecock Magazine, I think they're doing good work. You know, they're, they're working on that and, and thinking about equity. And so I think that's what we need to work on. And I want to work on that in Lawrence for sure. I think it's a, it's a big thing, you know, is, is fair and equitable representation in the live music industry. Yeah, I'm actually meeting Aaron with Shuttlecock Night to hand over some dough for an ad and they're going to do a print version of the paper. Um, and of course, Folly Afani in Lawrence with iHeart. Would you, would you say that, because um, there's so many segments of the music industry, right? Whether it's the artists, the venues. What about from a promotion, promotional aspect? Do you see representation amongst promotion companies, whether it's people of color or women or transgenders? being involved in booking shows or agents or? You know, I, I really hope in the pivot of life of this year of the pause that we all took that we've all taken note of that. And, you know, I myself as a, a cis white woman need to work harder and I need to do better at that. And that's an important factor. And, you know, I know I broke boundaries as a woman in the 90s. Not a lot of women were doing what I was doing. And yeah. I was really great at hiring a lot of other women and giving them great opportunities, hopefully to, to find careers in live music. And I need to work on that myself, you know, and, and I need to think outside of just hiring women, you know, I need to look beyond that myself and I'm down to, you know, get better at it. And I need to do that. And, uh, you know, I think that the Granada and Lawrence has been, you know, very forward with Black Lives Matter and, how we hire and how we make sure that we're finding safe and equitable spaces for everybody, you know, gender neutral bathrooms, you know, we've had those at the Granada now for a couple of years, bottleneck is going to mm. have a gender neutral bathroom, you know, ways to make coming out to concerts where you have to pay for a concert and to feel safe. And I, I really want to push for that. You know, obviously the white schoolhouse in Lawrence has yeah. started work on that. I think that's an excellent safe space, a DIY space for all. And I really hope that can transfer into the larger venues in our community and in Kansas City too. So. You, you got to know you're a role model for a lot of people and an inspiration. I think, you know, again, like you said, in the 90s, I imagine there were not necessarily a lot of women doing what you decided to do. Again, at age 30, you're nuts. <laughs> um, but I, I think that's important. I think it's important that those stories are told. They're not just from the past. Like this is this is really happening. I wonder sometimes, um, again, not just in the people that you're, 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 you're booking, but also like the venues, do you ever have conversations with them about those kinds of things? Like you're, I mean, I get it. It's a country bar. So you're booking country music. You're a heavy metal hair bar. So, you know, there's going to be certain styles that lend itself towards, you know, I guess particular demographics, but do you ever have those conversations? Like your bills seem to be bro heavy or, you know. uh, it's it's starting. I mean, you know, I, I think I always did the gender thing. And, and as you learn and, and as you try to work to be anti-racist every day in your life, you then go, oh, well, I always thought about women, but I didn't think about anything else, you know, and mm. I need to do better than that. And I think we all, at least in Lawrence, we're all talking about it. It's, it's, you know, mixed bills were always one of my favorite things, like put mismatch all these different things together and let's see what happens. As long as the space is safe for all the people then who want to watch the show too, you know, and that's yeah. a big part of it. So, you know, I, I think we, you know, I think we need more resources. I think we need to pay, you know, all the incredible 
humans that are out there with all the different podcasts and, and, and ways to learn how to be anti-racist and how to be, you know, more equitable in the world and with live music. And, and I, I think we're going to work on getting there. It's definitely something we all talk about and it, it's, you know, the work has to be done and change has to happen because this next generation of kids knows, you know, they mm -hmm. know, and they're going to want to go to venues and see acts where they know they can be safe and be the humans that they are. Yeah. And I tr truly believe that the venues that I work out of, that we're working on that and we want to create those spaces. And I know myself, you know, anyone that knows me, I don't book certain bands and I, I don't because if, you know what, if you seem racist to me or you don't talk about women in a way that is safe, I don't want to have anything to do with you, you right. know? And I need to stick to that. You know, I don't want to bend and be like, Oh, I'm going to book this act when they have a history of, of white supremacist language or something, or have mm -hmm. been known to harass women, you know, or be anti-gay or anti-trans. I can't do it. Any, you know, it is mm -hmm. unallowable money should never come first. It needs to be people first. Mm -hmm. Well, and you mentioned it before. I think that music just brings people together. And so providing a safe space mm -hmm. for different artists, different audiences, different styles of music. That is the beauty of it is that anybody can like any kind of music. It goes back to, again, identifying ourselves and claiming it and standing on it and pushing it. Mac Lethal told me something one time, and I was looking at him like he was half crazy because we were kind of drinking or whatever, I don't know. And we were doing a show. I was like, man, you know, um, we were talking about touring or something. And I was like, how'd you build your fan base? He's like, I just crammed it down their throats. I just push it down their throat. I don't care. I just cram it down their throats. And I was thinking, oh, how, how arrogant. You know, I'm thinking, man, what the, nobody wants to hear that. But as I thought about it, I was like, yeah, you know. And that's what I think Kansas City is missing. It's like, if we're not going to be an aggressive town as far as our grind, we have to be aggressive in what we're promoting to the world. You know, mm -hmm. very intentional about it. Mm -hmm. And I think that will open the door to a lot of things. Um, even with like, uh, you know, Chris's at uh, Lemonade Park, one thing I used to do with shows, and everybody doesn't do this because they don't want to get involved in that thing. You know, I, I will tell people, um, are you bringing a crowd? Are you hustling as, an, as a musician? You want me to pay you 500 yeah. bucks cool? Can you bring 50 people at $10 a head so I can at least break even off of you? You know what I'm saying? Like, don't put it all on me. And that's, that's me speaking from the promoter side. I'm an artist, but I understand the business side as well. It's like, don't demand things that you can't produce yourself. If you can produce it yourself, then we can partner. I've got a venue. You've got a following. I can help promote and push to your following, and we can all win together. Uh, and I think that's one thing that that's on the musicians in Kansas City. Straight up, I, ain't gonna, I don't care who doesn't like it or not. The hustle has got to be there. You have to be able to show value. And what I would used to do with some things, I, I mean, I'll put you on the bill based on um, your talent first. And are you promoting, are you pushing what you're doing? Or are you going to sit back and hope that people just show up because I'm booking your show at the Riot Room and you know Westport has a thousand people a night there anyways, so they're going to filter through. No, no, no. You're not going to win off of what we already got. What are you bringing to the table? Yep. And I, that's one thing I desire to see Kansas City do is for, for us to get out there like that. And I think that's something people got to learn too. Like mm. I, I booked my first show when I was like 15 years old. Mm. All I did was book the show and give the venue a flyer. It was the hurricane. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, that's all I thought. Like, I yeah. thought that's what you do, and yeah. then people will just go. 
right? right? But that's not how it works. And you right. really have to keep keep pushing in constant. If, if people start getting annoyed at your social media, yeah. fuck them, honestly. Yeah. Like, just <laughs> yeah, like, right. keep pushing yeah. your shit. Yeah. And yeah. like, if people keep you like, I don't want to see, yeah. then they're not, they're, they don't care about what you're doing creatively. Right, right. And like, them out why, there. why do you have them with them? Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but you just gotta, you just gotta keep like, it, it sometimes it seems too much to just constantly be promoting something over and over and over yeah. just into the yeah. void of yeah. Facebook or Twitter or right. whatever. Yeah. But right. I mean, that's what it takes. Like Exactly. Just, but yeah, I tell people all the time, like, how do you buy a McDonald's hamburger? You know how much they push that shit in your face? You're not telling them you're annoyed by it. You go pull up to McDonald's or wherever you're going. Everything you buy or you're involved in in the world pretty much, especially in American culture, it's been pushed down your throat. Like, you wouldn't yep. know about it. I mean, there's a few of us that kind of dig and, you know, we kind of find these things. But for the most part, the car you drive, you're not driving some off-brand ass car. You're driving a damn Hyundai or a Subaru. You saw the commercial a thousand times. So right. you decided to go get one. You know what I mean? So right. same thing with music. And I think a lot of our artists don't look at the music as a commodity. It, once it comes out of your house or your basement or your studio and you put it in the public, it's a commodity. It's no longer just your thing. You know what I mean? Like, so, yeah. From the label's perspective, I mean, obviously we want to find artists who we think are the most talented. You got to have the goods, right? Right, yeah. It has become increasingly clear. If you're not going to promote yourself, if you if I don't see you on social, if I don't see you talking about people, if I don't know you can put 50 butts in the seat that the menu that I just put you for, yeah, it's actually not going to work. It's, right. it's, it's going to be pulling teeth. Right. That's, and I would tell people, like, in bands that I manage, I'm like, Hey, uh, like I never see any of you at shows. Yeah. 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 And they're like, they're like, uh, yeah, well I got a big kid job and I do, I'm like, well, how, how are you supposed to ingrain yourself into the community? And like, people know who you are every time Mm -hmm. you show up. Right. And it's not like a, Oh, I didn't know that you were in that bit. Like you have to put yourself in it and like really like give yourself to it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like just go to shows just to be there and be around other musicians and like talk to them yeah, yeah. you you also touched on um and this has kind of been a theme on a few shows but you know like the fact that austin has a music commission i feel like you know is kansas city's business leadership i don't put it on the government necessarily going to ever realize what a cash cow that could be for this town if they developed the music art specifically, I've got nothing against dance or drama. I'm all down for the Nelson. Don't get me wrong, but realize we're just dripping with talent here. And if we could just support these artists, support venues, I mean, it's become critically clear during the pandemic with venues, um, help them with promotions. Is that ever crossed your mind too? Like we just can't make that stamp of wanting to have that. I'm, I'm, I'm deep in negotiations with that. You know, like you said, I got my hands a lot of things. There are a few uh, city committees that I'm bringing to them like, hey, this would be a great uh, piece to add to what you're doing or it's not even create itself. Um, that musician community, because I've seen what it's done for other cities and stuff. And um, it's, it's just, it's more of a thing of, if you say the same thing so much to the same people, you get to a point to where it's like, okay, they're not going to do it. I'm going to have to do it myself. And that comes back to the whole reason why I'm at 18th and Vine. Right. I'll do it here and I'll show you. I can show you better than I can tell you. 
mm-hmm. and then you can just pay us for it. You know what I mean? Like we wanted to do it on, on a voluntary basis, but now you can, I've developed it now, you can just buy it or whatever, you know? Um, but I think that, you know, honestly, and Chris hit, hit on the head uh, on this point earlier about the timing of Kansas City's identity when it started to kind of switch over. I don't know what happened, but after Tom Pendergast went to jail, everybody got scared. They're like, we're not going to, you know what I'm saying? We're not thinking outside the box. Big Tom had the, had the city popping, man. I'm just saying, you know what I mean? Like for all the corruption that was going on, it was it was popping. It was the Paris of the Plains, the Las Vegas before Las Vegas. And we as a city want that, especially the actual, when I say the city, I mean like the business people of the city, the city council that want to bring money into it. They want that. Mm-hmm. But that comes with a certain level of commitment. Like you got to let your artist have their room. And as far as the musicians go, if you think of any community, whether it's Greenwich Village in the 60s, whether it's Haight-Ashbury in the 60s, whether it's uh, different pockets, the musicians are the Pied Pipers. You, take, you get the musicians out there, your visual artists are going to succeed. Your performance artists are going to succeed because we're like the spokespeople. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like when they see the spokespeople out there, they say, oh, Kansas City's got... It's, it's much easier for them to identify with that than, say, a prolific artist from Kansas City. I mean, because art's very, it's about your taste. But a hit is a hit. You know what I'm saying? Like, whether yeah. it's Full of Mud or who, who, Tech Nine or whatever, a hit is a hit. Mm-hmm. And it brings attention to the town. And right. it's, a, it's a great advertisement for the town. That's right. what we do. And uh, if, if you look at music now in, in this uh, time, that's how people make money off music. Music is just an advertisement at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's an advertisement. So the city, it would behoove the city to use its advertisers to advertise its assets. I'll say that. Uh, and it's something too, like, of course, LA has, like, everybody's out in LA, right? But we need to figure out a way where, like, dudes like Dom Sanders and Justice West don't have to go to LA. Yeah. They go, they go hey, yeah. you come here and record yeah. with me here yeah. in Kansas yeah. City. You know, like, it needs to be... Like, I understand, like, I get, I'm not stupid. I know that everybody's in LA. So yeah. like you go to LA to go mingle in those circles and get right. your foot in the door. Right. But, and, and those two guys for sure, they have like both places, like they go back right. and forth. Right. But like right. a lot of artists for a long time just left. Oh yeah. And that was it. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. and they just stayed wherever yeah. they went to. They went yeah. to Nashville. They went to yeah. LA. Yeah. Now it's like, all right, so go build that clout and come back and now bring those people here. Yeah, yeah. And that's what if somebody asked me about that. Uh, I forgot who it was. I was having a meeting at the Jazz Museum and they were asking me, well, why don't the artists come back to Kansas City and bring it? And I, I had to really think about that. I was like, well, yeah, they, we do have a, a lot of producers, writers, musicians. Uh, as far as Kansas City goes in the industry, we're in there. We, we, we are in there. Like we're, we're, in we're, in the, we're in there in the cuts and all that kind of stuff. We are, we, are, we have like the, I probably the, probably except for like Nashville. We have yeah, like yeah. the most amount of roadies and like production <laughs> yeah. people, yeah. like production yeah. managers and things like that. They're just everywhere. Yeah. We're, we're, we're definitely in there. And the only thing I can, the only answer I can give that person was, I think that the Parker thing. And people have this thing about, oh, Charlie Parker didn't want it. He didn't want to be buried in Kansas City. What it was, was he was like, you go where you're celebrated, not tolerated. And a lot of people here, they feel like they're tolerated. And they go to places like LA and they're celebrated for what they've done. And mm. the city a lot of times doesn't celebrate 
our people. We don't make way. If you go to a place like LA or, or Hollywood or whatever, it is built for those people. It is built for them. You know what I'm saying? That's why they get away with crazy shit out there. Like mm. driving off a cliff, being drunk and don't go to jail for it because this is where you come to that shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. This is part of our economy. But one thing I have been studying is Nashville. Chris brought that up because Nashville is like a lot of people that aren't like in the industry or they're more pop or commercial. They don't understand like what kind of muscle Nashville has. Yeah, it's not just it's not just country music down there. No, it's everything. No, no. They got yeah, everything over yeah. there. They, I mean, they got, they're writing like, they got like factories basically like of people churning out music to go to, uh, you know, and Nashville, and there's a reason why BMI has an office there and all these different performance mm -hmm. rights organizations. And Nashville is really basically like Kansas City, just in Tennessee, you know what I mean? Like, you know, um, and I've been studying that, just kind of seeing how they do that. I got some friends that live out there. They make like 80 grand a year on staff writing. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that's like a Cerner job here, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. but in Nashville, that is the factory. That is the Cerner job, you know, so. Yeah. James McGee, I can see you've been contemplating deeply about many things. Yeah, um, man, I'm like, uh, yeah. I'm really enjoying that, that advertise its assets. Yeah, yeah. That loud and clear and celebrate your artist. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You combine those two things, I think you both just went, we got all the components. of someone who had toured a lot. And I know Lennon Bone, who was the drummer in Ha Ha Tonka for a long time, has turned into an amazing resource. But how amazing would it be if we had a go-to person in this town that could set up a tour up and down I-35? If they could help a band route dates from Minneapolis to Austin or San Antonio, mm -hmm. and you're literally never off of I-35. And when they go to those cities, you befriend the bands in those cities and you trade shows. And I've told this to bands that have gone to South by Southwest before. And I love obviously the Midcoast Takeover. And, um, but instead of hanging out with a bunch of Kansas City bands that live perhaps in your own zip code, how, how much better would it be if you're in, in Austin already and you're gonna play your 40 minute set, but to go to other showcases from other states that are doing things like that event and you meet bands from Oklahoma and you meet bands from Minnesota and you become friends with them and you trade shows. Cause you know, you can draw 75 people on a Friday at the brick or the Rhino and you befriend a band in Minnesota and then you go up to Minnesota and they can draw 75 people on a Friday and then they'll come see you for the first time. 
mm-hmm. but those trading shows moments, that's how you build relationships. And I wish there was more of that. And I wish there was somebody that could help people route tour dates up and down I-35 or across I-70 or something like that. But it'd be, it'd be such a great resource if we had that skill to give to people and just that list of names. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's an interesting you know, question too. I wonder sometimes, is that because artists don't necessarily want to share their contacts, which again is understandable. I think there's some of that, understandably. You know, just I got to keep the gig that I have in Omaha or the gig right. I have in Moine. Um, or or, or you just, the, the other thing too is you have the agents who are like, if, if the local band has an, let's say the local band has an agent, then the agent is really just trying to make sure that their band gets paid. You yeah. know, they're not worried about, they're not so much worried about, and, and wrongfully, they're not so much worried about um, them making connections with a bunch of people there. They're worried about them playing a gig there, trying to build a base and and making sure that they get paid. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I, I wonder sometimes too, like when's the right time as an artist to have, have a booking agent, you know, because obviously you're going to have to, you're going to, you're delegating some of those responsibilities potentially, but then you're also going to have to give them some, some compensation for their efforts, you know? And I think yep. you got to be at a certain level as an artist to be able to do that, like actually be busy enough that you need help. And then also financially successful enough that you can pay someone 10% or 15, same for a manager, you know? Right. Yep. Have you ever heard of anyone, Chris, in Kansas city, that's like, try to offer those kind of services to artists no yeah and you would think god there are just so many great artists here i mean just so many across all genres you would just think that somebody somewhere along the line maybe even well, there's form- there's like there's people that are agents that are from kansas city but they can't they are like contractually obligated to just work with those artists you know mm-hmm. like they can't they can't um they can't just like do like do what you're saying and and without like them being like all right well sign this here contract and uh, i'll be your agent you know or whatever and i'm not even talking agent related venues like not a lot of bands that play at the brick or the rhino have agents no 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 no. but i'm not i'm not talking 400 cap record bars right i'm talking 75 person rooms which is where everybody's going to start right but you know that resource, somebody could probably knock that out and, and it wouldn't be too impossible. Um, maybe mm-hmm. that's a project for mm-hmm. uh, you, Patrick, if you want to make that part of Center Cut. Well, I can tell you, you know, I guess we can air this like two years ago, start of 2019. I had a couple of interns work for us and basically we made a database, Chris, looking for all major venues. I'm not talking like Sprint Center, but maybe Midland, Uptown, Down, to coffee shops uh, in pretty much every major city in America and including some smaller cities too. Cause I sometimes think that those are the best markets to target cause they don't have somebody running through right. St. Joe all the time. Right. Right. And so we also looked for record stores in those towns. We looked for LGBTQ organizations. We looked for uh, independent media like the pitch or the ink, uh, independent radios, college radio stations, and we've got it all. Well, obviously, you know, and we use that. 
uh, for Calvin to start booking him some shows that spring of 2019 successfully, just blind reaching out to venues. Mm-hmm. But I, but I'm curious now, like how valid that, that database is, considering venues Some have been things. shuttered for a year. Yeah, there you used know? to be, and I don't know if it still exists, and maybe Chris will know this. There used to be this website called Indie on the Move. Yeah, which was like an indie band like net network, basically for for bookers for bands themselves to like look through the city that they were trying to route through and it would show you all the venues and hopefully give you the correct contact. The problem was a lot of the times it was not the correct contact info that that stuff had changed. Like the the booker from that venue is no longer there. So you're emailing somebody that doesn't work there anymore or those kind of things. Um, But I remember using that when I would do uh, blind emails and stuff like that a lot. And there are a lot of people are going to be people just like you, Maori, with your production yeah. gig at at Record Bar and Lemonade, where uh, they're going to get inundated with stuff. But if there was like a pin, a point person that you knew that in eight cities, they knew that person's name and they knew they weren't going to send them trash, that they were going to send them something, even if they can't draw, that's compelling. It's yeah. interesting. Looks mm-hmm. good on stage. They're not up there in shorts and flip-flops. Respect the stage and don't wear shorts on stage. But uh, <laughs> if you're going to route good music, and if it'd be cool if there was that point person. Yeah, I think it would have to be someone who's got, you know, kind of like artists, they've got the day job. And, and like record labels, to be honest, they've got, their, they've got their income source at first, at least. And they just start trying to help, you know, a few people at a time. And then if it takes off, then eventually, in theory, that could become a self-sustaining, you know, career. I don't know about benefits and stuff like that, but yeah, I totally agree with you. It You need it. It's just such a shot in the dark for artists to know, like, who do I talk to? Where do I go? And well, and I remember, too, as like as like all I ever wanted to do as like a as a somebody who, who helped a band book or helped or like was managing them. All I was trying to do was trying to get them in front of a bigger audience and just trying to take steps to do that. So for a long time, and it would get so frustrating to just send blind emails and just, just never get responses back. Yeah. And that, that was always the, like you would do that to like magazines to, um, uh, you know, online outlets to booking agent or to other booking agents to be like, Hey, do you have a tour that this band would fit with? or like those kind of things like you just constantly be sending those things but eventually Mm -hmm. it came to a point where you're like well clearly i don't have the connections to to take that step it's almost like you are trying to find an agent or a manager that is more accomplished that already has those things together or a pr company that you could just be like you know what i'm just going to pay you the money to and you can you already have the connections you know (laughs) like instead of like just for, for so long, you can just feel like you're not making any traction or you're just beating your head against a wall. Yeah. Um, we should tell Sarge this idea. You know, and God, Chris, I met with him. So James Carter, we've mentioned with You Found Music, that March 12th with Fritz. And this is exactly what we were discussing. And, you know, how to get, again, that's our goal as a label is to get our artists out of Kansas City, to get them on a national level, you know, to help them go where they want to go. I would say though, it's kind of those small victories. I was sometimes surprised how often people did get back and not with just yeah. some generic stock thing. Like we're not 
taking you're not ready to play our club or whatever but like hey maybe we can't do it right now you need to let us know ahead of time because again a lot of artists try to book a show tomorrow <laughs> we've discussed that on previous programs like yeah. yeah three six months might be a good yeah. range and then and then or you wouldn't work in our club but here's a place you should contact to yeah and kind of building on that for the next round when we're looking for calvin in the falls like this is working in theory i i would say too a lot of that like me say I, I made it sound like really terrible and like there weren't those small victories but like early on it is oh yeah like just your heart getting broken constantly uh, oh yeah and you like learn from those mistakes or like i didn't know what i was doing and i booked a tour you know <laughs> like if you mm -hmm. don't know what you're doing that that doesn't uh it benefits you because now you know what not to do yeah uh, but yeah it's like a learning process and, and i noticed like once i started working with pink royal i had like a firmer grasp of like where things needed to happen and how we needed to. Sure. Sure. Well, I think the three of us are probably a little thick skinned on that. Sometimes, you know, you just reach out and you do your best and you try to be persistent, but not obnoxious. And if people don't want to get back to you, then, you know, I guess you're just knocking on someone else's on. door, right? Yep. Yeah. As a country artist, I wish some of the bigger country stations would play some of the Lost Cargo Records music. And I've reached yeah. out to them. Um, one of them did like a fundraiser and you could request a song and then people would go and donate it, donate to it. All the money you got was donated um, to Children's Mercy. Mm. And I ended up putting my song in the queue and kind of posted on Facebook like, hey, go, you can go donate to Children's Mercy through my song to get it played on the radio. And it was really exciting because it ended up getting played. Oh, great. And that was the first time I'd been played. I think it was Q104, 94.1. I can't remember which one. But it was a really cool opportunity. But there was actually, like, when I looked at the queue, there was a lot of local artists that were doing the same thing. Yeah. Mm. And, I mean, it was, you know, they were getting hundreds of dollars donated to Children's Mercy so that, you know, their fans were wanting to get their stuff on the radio. So yeah, it's something I want to work on um, to just try to get on, you know, the stations that people listen to. Because really, like KKFI and 90.9, a lot of people don't know about them. Right, mm -hmm. right. Um, yeah, it's I not think, like a main, they're not mainstream radio or anything like that. Yeah. But that's the conundrum, Community I think, radio, everybody. Really. It's like when you listen to those mainstream stations, they're all owned by the same, you know, giant corporation or, or Cumulus. Or, yeah. And so they've got programming. It's kind of like our newspapers. Yep. I would argue same thing with Kansas City Star. No offense to anybody that works there. Mm -hmm. There just is no coverage of the local community. And that's why it was such yeah. a bummer when the bu the buzz uh, recently ended the homegrown buzz program. Because yeah. that was a real break for a lot of artists. I think of like the greeting committee. You know, that, <laughs> yeah. that, that was a huge boost for them. Well, and something with, with uh, we'll call it pop country now, is that like they like the rootsy stuff or the more Amer Americana stuff just isn't even on the radar I feel like yeah mm -hmm. and if it is it's like Chris Stapleton yeah or something you know what I mean it's yeah. not like like they didn't even honor John Prine at the CMA Awards right like what are we doing right like what like that doesn't even compute in my brain of how that could even get by anyone there right but, mm -hmm. um it's just kind of like a more overall like they're wanting the pop country stuff more than more than the actual like heart and meat of it you know? right right and that's that's kind of radio overall too it's not just a that's not just a country radio thing it's yeah. kind of a everything thing 
Right. Well, and that's, I'm thinking of a young artist that's coming here. I just saw a show now. It's Coulter Wall. Like, I, I, I love, and I'm sure a million people say this, this cliche almost at this point. I love old country music. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is that they're playing on the radio these days. It's the same thing with, like, heavy metal at some point. It just got yeah. to be so confectionary, sugary sweet mm-hmm. that it was hurting my original. So I just, I don't listen to it. But then I hear some younger artists Again, I don't know a lot about Coulter Wall, and I'm like, why is he? Why don't I hear him on some of these other commercial radio stations? Mm-hmm. The Bridge would play something like that, mm-hmm. but but I think it's important too, you know, just being able to have your song played on the radio. It's a statement for an artist too. Yeah. You know, we we've done some college radio campaigns with our artists, and like you said, we we feel very proud when we get them played in other places. So like, how do we make that happen in our own town? Mm-hmm. If we expect to be able to do that across the country, yeah, right? you know, totally. Yeah, well, do you, do you ever work with um, KJ and Lawrence? Do you ever submit any things to KJHK? Um, I need to. I've kind of emailed with them a few different times, but haven't got anything set up. Oh, they're wonderful. Mm-hmm. I they're, heard they're like going on a summer break or something. Yes, but they the, would be now. Yeah, but, so. but they'll still record things over the summer, and I'm okay. happy to introduce you to. A, I mean, they just changed new staff because the kids graduated and got new positions, but. They normally record in the union, and they've been recording stuff in the lead center in the building next to it. So it's not the main theater, mm-hmm. but they produce really high quality videos. They'll play your music on the radio, and again, you've got a you've got a good audience there. You know, younger mm-hmm. 20, 21 year olds that want to explore something new, and they want to re- come out and be able to see you mm-hmm. in Lawrence. Right? Yeah, it's a, it's a natural connection. And for what's you. the what's the one that's out at K State? I used to do stuff with them. Uh, what, too, it, a lot. what are I their can't call remember. letters? I've got it all in a database and a spreadsheet at home. <laughs> um, and I mean, that's a really, I would say, I think for, again, I'm going back to Lily and for, you know, what mm-hmm. you're trying to do, that's very attractive for, again, younger people. I think they're just much more open to embracing what we talked about, inclusivity as far as music, whether mm-hmm. it's gender or, or genre or sexuality or whatever. If it's yeah. good music, and especially if they can see it in their town, then they want to they wanna have a piece of it. Mm-hmm. It looks like they changed it recently. It's 91.9 Wildcat, which is not what I... I knew it was 91.9, but hmm. it wasn't... The Wildcat. Yeah, it wasn't okay. that before. Yeah, that K-State's only like an hour 15 from where we live, yeah. so yeah. it'd be easy commute to get to know them. Um, yeah, when I think about just artists that you know are doing well... I, don't, I feel like radio has got to still be such a big thing. Yeah. And, you know, to us, I mean, I feel like we probably listen to CDs and streaming. You know, I rarely turn yeah. on the radio because I know I'm not going to like it. Mm-hmm. But right. to, like, you know, my family, they turn on the radio. Yeah. Right. And um, they learn to love what's on the radio. And I've heard, like, you have to, a new song, normally it takes, like, five times hearing it to really love it. Right. Well, so, when something you get into with radio is, uh, I remember doing this when I was uh, t- trying to find PR stuff for uh, Pink Royal. Is there was a whole another PR leg of just PR PR for radio. Yeah, so they that's what I was they saying. would help you get the placements at all those places. Once again, you have to pay for it. It ain't cheap. It ain't cheap. <laughs> that's the uh, but it, it's another one of those things that, and a lot of people say that's pay to play. It's like. Yeah, sometimes you got to play the game a little and you have to if the whole object is to get your music in front of more people, right? right. So you're just if you're putting money into that, it's really not at 
a terrible loss. You know? I, 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 we equated it to with both the Calvin's records and with Fritz's record and the Black Creatures records. We did college radio campaigns for all of them. Like if mm-hmm. we're going to pay for press, why not play, pay some money to have some people have this actually spun and we would get like reports right. to see. And then yep. we would reach out and contact the individual stations, which led to interviews in Lincoln, Nebraska, or right. we got, we got a bunch of love up in Canada with the black creatures. That's what I was for some say, reason. Yeah. So we've developed relationships and, Oh, we have a jazz festival. You guys want to come this summer? Well, we would, but there's pandemic, but as soon as we can and you allow us back into your country, <laughs> right, exactly. we'd love to come see you. Yeah. Um, I think that's a really, the one thing I leave with that Jenna though, is I listen to the radio through my laptop. I'm, I am not in the car very often, to be honest. And so, you know, with technology these days, yeah. and I think we talked about with the bridge, even KKFI archive programs, I listen live from my computer. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that is probably my main source of consumption other than CDs and records that I buy. Mm-hmm. So there, there are people out there listening. Um, and then when they hear you, like you said, and they're going to run into you at your show, like, I heard John River Trade. Right. Yeah. Now I want that t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, I guess my things that the city can improve on are all jazz related just because, like, jazz is actually, like, a really big part of Kansas City culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see, I see movement in other genres. And as far as, like, what's going on in the industry, I see a lot of progressive movement there that I don't see in my genre. Mm-hmm. While we're in like a, you know, when you come here as a tourist, you don't hear about the indie rock scene. Yeah, it's not an indie rock museum. <laughs> so <laughs> should be there should be no there should be, and I think at one point in time there will be a music museum that sheds light on that because the music in Kansas City is like really hip, and there's a lot of support for it, which is you know great. Um, and I think there's a lot of, of support for jazz in that realm, you know, as you guys just had us at Lemonade Park, you know. Mm-hmm. And in that regard, I think like one of the biggest things that, you know, the city can improve on is just growing up with where jazz is as a whole, like the marketing of it, the business aspect of it. I mean, it's outlets for it. Like jazz doesn't have to just live in, in jazz clubs, you know, and there's mm-hmm. a ton of places to play. And there's a ton of places for the listener to experience different sides of jazz. And, you know, and I guess that's like, that's always my thing. It's like the jazz community lets other outlets, you know, um, promote jazz harder than they are, which mm. is great, which is crazy to me, um, you know, because like Houston didn't have that kind of scene. So I think that's like the main thing in all aspects, like educating jazz musicians on the business. You know, educating jazz musicians on like what it is to really be a improvised musician, what that means, like, you know, um, and in the outlet for that, you know, um, as a whole, you know, all in one from the venues to, you know, what they'll not just what they'll allow you to play, but what they're set up for a band to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that was the big thing for me. It's like, okay, cool. We got to get out of jazz venues because I want to play with my computer and these people don't have a mixer or a microphones or sound. Mm-hmm. Like they don't, you know, uh, I guess it's kind of crazy because then like a jazz venue will have all this funding, but not have what the riot room has. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, know what I mean. you know what I mean? And I'm not, cool. I'm not throwing any shade at all, but if you, you know, you're a music venue to music venue, you want to, you know, how do you have a, you know, and then as, as a touring, it's like we get passed up on tours and that's why. How do you accommodate Snarky Puppy or Thundercat in a jazz venue in Kansas City? 
mm-hmm. don't have the gear. Right. It starts there. You don't have the gear. Bottom right. line. You know, um, and so just growing up as a whole, because there's like a jazz renaissance going on. It's popular. These kids love it. They hear it. They hear a crazy group like us. And the last thing I hear is like, oh, bro, I don't want to hear that again. I, I never hear that, actually. <laughs> you know what I mean? I expect yeah. you at some point, but yeah. I don't ever hear that. And again, that's awesome. <laughs> going back to the Lemonade Park, the the district performance. God, what a blur this last weekend was Saturday. You're telling <laughs> me, man. I, yeah, Chris. You're telling I'll me see, it's a blur. I'll, I'll see you tonight at... Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. By the way, we'll be there at 7 o'clock, first in line, just to piss you off. Um <laughs> But I think about that because you got to know that some people that went to that performance had never heard you before, Eddie, right? They'd never seen We The People and because they, they came to see one of the other bands or they just wanted to go out, right? I'd say 90%, 90 to 95% of the audience had never heard us. And so that's what I'm getting to is I got to believe that some, there were people in the audience that were completely floored and they're not necessarily going to say, I saw a jazz band last night. I heard a lot of things, actually. Um, one person told me, a young person came up to me and was like, man, this is like real jazz. Like, I don't think I've ever heard real wow. jazz where they weren't playing like, you know, like standards. So I'm like, this is real improvisation. Wow. Like it hit him. Wow. And they were way younger than me. And they were like, whoa, I like this. Yeah. And there's tons. I mean, if that energy's here, then, you know, that's kind of what I mean. Like, I think the jazz community is alienating itself from a bigger audience while they're trying to gain a bigger audience. You know, the audience is here. I hear all the time, you know, where can we go hear stuff like this? So I think just growing up in general, but man, a lot of people, they were all saying that or like, it's kind of wild, the stuff. And that was, that was the idea too. When I like called Eddie about the booking, I was like, Hey, so I need you to come in and like set this crowd on fire. And then the bands behind you will just come knock it down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we were, I was totally for that, you know, yeah. um, that's, that's, that's what we do. I was like, I, I just want to open. Yeah. Really. I, and even on the roads, like I just want to open. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the city, you know, I think about, you know, let's just toss around the potential of that. If, if it doesn't exist, if we mm-hmm. grow up, with where the music is today, mm-hmm. then look at what that does for a venues and the monetary side of it for them. You're going to make more money. Yeah. You know, and then I, artists will want to be here. They can promote themselves and launch out from here. They don't have to move. Mm-hmm. And then you build bridges here because like, yo, artists will go to Lawrence. A jazz artist will go to Lawrence, play Lawrence and skip right over Kansas city and go straight to St. Louis or Chicago. And there's so much other jazz music going on in Chicago that's like on fire right now. They're so close to us, we can't even accommodate them. Mm. And so stuff like that, like we start to become talked about in the greater jazz community of the United States more, you know, more than just Charlie Parker or more than just the big band era or more than just that's cool. That's great. Like that's that's awesome. Yeah. Um, but it's 2021 and even on like the the press side, it's like, you know, cover, you know, I think it's always kind of covered from a negative connotation when it's like, bro, just write positive stuff or yeah. just take the positive aspect of if you like the music and what it's doing and what it mm-hmm. sounds like. And then 
You know, people will be talking about what's going on in Kansas City from L.A. and New York. And they'll be wanting to come here to experience that sound and energy for sure, because it is different than other places. Well, like I, I remember we had a um, and I've told this story a couple of times, but um, we had this uh, like folk band. I can't remember. Maybe they're called like something giant. I can't remember. They're like folk pop. Right. And they like play like a big show. 300 plus people at record bar and all the other guys in this band are like hippy dippy. They're going to go eat their or drink their veggie smoothies on the bus. They're not going to go out and do anything, but the drummer is like, Hey, I'm a mercenary. Uh, I want to do something. And I was like, uh, well, there's a jazz club down the street. If you want to go do that. And he's like, I, I'm a jazz player. I want to go. So we went down there and it was like on, it was like, the perfect night to go down there because it's like it wasn't a Friday or Saturday. So it was like way more relaxed, but like he was even telling me he like knew Chris Hazleton. He's like, I know of Chris Hazleton. And I'm like, how do you know of Chris Hazleton? Like there's like people in the jazz communities know what we have here. We just need to make sure that we're doing everything we can to foster that in a way that makes it more appetizing to people. You know, yeah. and and like find a way for people to get paid. Like I I don't think like there should just be free entry to every jazz club in the city. There should be some. The jazz model is really messed up and yeah. dated right now. Yeah, you know, and on that, it's like the great thing about Kansas City is that there's a huge music scene here, and everyone outside of my genre is working triple time, triple yeah. harder than the people in our community. You know, and that that doesn't make sense to me, (laughs) you know, and if it wasn't for for them seeing that, that's the thing that doesn't exist in Houston is like that. If it wasn't for like people like you, Chris, and like people at the Rye Room and like Tank Room giving us a chance and like wanting to showcase that part of jazz music, then like I wouldn't really even have that kind of success. Yeah. But it's not because of, you know, I don't play at jazz venues. There's not one jazz venue on my calendar and there hasn't been. And if there is, it's out of town. And it's it's incredible when you start to play jazz music out of the city because the approach to it and the reaction to it is completely different. I mean, completely mm. different. I've played Detroit Cliff Bells like a whole weekend. Dude gave us a – he they wouldn't let us stop playing. Mm. <laughs> he was like – they literally wouldn't let us get off stage. Yeah. And same in Omaha – I we got double encore. I had to say, hey, no more. Like, yo, we're tired. But it's that kind of energy, and they get it. They're not expecting to hear anything beside improvised music. And um, I think we'll be in a real special place when that happens. And I think that's like, at least while I live here, that's like my personal mission. You know, I mean, it's a personal mission to like help that grow or create an alternative lane for people to find the music they want to hear and the balance is great yeah let's go back to that for a second too eddie because you know we talked about barbecue right Right. if i asked a typical kansas Cityan, tell me your top 10 barbecue spots they're going to rattle off six seven without even thinking twice right right if i asked a typical kansas city who's also going to brag about how we're known for jazz tell me 10 current jazz artists and we can be loose about that term too right I don't know that that could happen. I think they could name some venues, a couple of places you guys just mentioned, but I don't know that they can do that. And so now the question is, Eddie, when you say the city needs to do a better job, are we talking about 
Mayor Lucas, who I get no. in pestering. Well, let me not just say the mayor, because one human being <laughs> can't do it all, but I mean like the Chamber of Commerce. Or is it, you go back to the media. Because I, I, I know I know you had a Facebook, or a, was Instagram or Facebook post last week, and there was a question like, why don't people know about this Brass and Bougie event, this Truce of All event, which is freaking phenomenal. I mean, seriously, 20 world-class artists. And like, why are we getting publication on this? And I would say like, where's the star on this? Where's like the local coverage? Oh, Where's well, star is, star doesn't do anything local. Yeah. Anymore. So, so then how, I mean, that's gone. So then how are people supposed to actually find out the people that wouldn't already know the people are, that don't already know you're awesome and where to find you? That's well, um, I guess it, when I say the city and the people, yeah. um, I don't mean like city government, but I guess, mm-hmm from the jazz room it's like i say the city because we do have these jazz organizations that raise grant money they get money they Mm -hmm. raise funds to do charlie parker things or do things that are like for the historic fact of jazz in the city you know i'm not upset at the star or the pitch or i've been in all those actually and they've actually covered us and other music more than you know I guess like jazz ambassadors or mm-hmm. or Casey jazz alive or whatever these organizations are, you know, and they have these meetings once a month and ask each other, well, what can we do to bring more people to jazz? And well, the reality is get out the way, you know, get out the way. Like you guys are at a, at a place where you don't even see, you're not as connected with the jazz culture as you think you are mm-hmm. because maybe you know and you can like whatever genre of music you want to like that's great i'm not saying that i love swing i moved here to learn how to do that i dedicate my life to that's not what i'm saying and so it's like you know they're not writing about the um the things that aaron is doing and she's got a whole calendar of jazz people they're not writing about the things that y'all are doing at lemonade park they're not writing about the things that are going that when the jazz artists pop up at the fml gallery like Alyssa murray whose last yeah. EP is sick. Yeah. Especially as a jazz pianist. A one a woman jazz pianist just put out a fire album. I don't even think they wrote about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not talking about me. Like I get tons of press because of I just know the business, you know, the power of the press release. But I'm talking mm-hmm. about everyone else. I'm talking about the next generation younger than me, you know. There's a whole bunch of 19 year olds, 20 year olds that are going really, 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 really hard and they're ignoring them. You know, mm-hmm. and and so when I say the city, I mean, these organizations, a why do you exist? You know, like, what do you exist for? And I said the same thing when we were in the pandemic. I go, man, at the same time, I made a post and I go, man, it's crazy how restaurants are coming to jazz support when harder than jazz organizations. And they're in the same boat as us. They're hurting just like us. But as I like go to Corvino and get groceries every week because they just love the jazz community. You know, mm-hmm. as I as they're as them and the Rieger are kind of halfway open to provide opportunities for us to play and and make money and 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 help them make money. You know what I mean? And then when I said something, then they started a fund in reaction. And then when I said something last week, they started promoting black jazz artists. And it's like, well, yeah. And then you say, like, I'm wrong for saying something. But look at your action. If it wasn't true, then you wouldn't be doing it now. Just do it naturally. Just do it. You know, and I think, you know, at the end of the day, it's like we can help each other get what we both want. We want to bring people to this music and you want to bring people to this music. So why are we where's the disconnect now? The industry doesn't work where you send 
your gig listings to a calendar. If that's your, if you do that, then I also feel I know how press works. I know how blogs work. That's your responsibility to be in the know. Mm. So you should maybe have relations with people that are doing outside things that are bringing people to jazz music. And so that way we can cross pollinate. And there's just a lot of red tape with all this stuff. When I think jazz doesn't need to live in a political realm, it's independent music. It's rebel music. I think that's the one thing, you know, it's political ties in Kansas city are choking it to me. Mm. You know, that's why I wanted to start tribe studios. I wanted to be independent. So they can't tell me nothing. They can't tell me anything. I can teach how I want. I can do clinics. I can bring in whoever I want. They can't tell me anything. There's no, well, this isn't jazz enough, or this isn't this enough. And well, what about, da, da, da? nah, this isn't, nah, it's, it, that doesn't exist. And so, you know, we've been able to do amazing things, you know, and I see them ignore a lot of this stuff. Like my main thing is like them ignoring Marcus Lewis, big band, like Marcus Lewis just represented Kansas city to the whole entire world on the jazz educators network and crushed it. Mm-hmm. I mean, they ranted and raved about how great the performance and the production of the performance and the overall experience was. No one talked about that. Yeah. No jazz entity talked. Well, we should be bragging about that. Yeah, man. I miss, just, you know, I miss his Ask a Jazz Dude series. Oh, yeah. We were yeah. <laughs> freaking guys. That was so good. And again, I think it exposed, Eddie, you two artists who are currently creating pushing the boundaries rebel music like you said you know not and there's nothing wrong with tradition and there's nothing wrong with preserving and celebrating history i think it's we need to have a mixture of all the above with the focus on where are we now and where are we going to go because it's good for all the parties involved like you said everybody wins especially me the audience that just wants to watch you rock yeah and uh, my my and they'll hate me and they'll say, oh, this isn't right. But my question to everyone in the jazz community is, what is the jazz, what is the Kansas City jazz legacy going to be in 2040? And if it, we're still it, talking about Charlie Parker and Count Basie, then I think even their families would agree there's a problem. Yeah. Bottom line. <laughs> yeah, you could equate it to my generation with like the Royals or with the Chiefs. We would, were talking about the 1980 Royals. And, and I'm like, that's 30 years ago or whatever. These kids, these like, kids don't give a, give a hoot about that stuff. No, we world it. champions on both sides now, and that's what matters. Well, <laughs> so let's apply that then to you have got a cream. And like you just mentioned, Alyssa, I love that record. And again, the, just the diversity, watching her play last year. It was the night before, I think you did the Fresh to Death. She was with Claire Adams. Fritz was on drums, and then she had a string section, um, Esky, and <laughs> I was like, this is nuts. It's nuts. There's it's nuts. so much hear, stuff. And then I hear that new record. I'm like, where did this come from? That's but our awesome. record got bad. Re- I mean, if you read the Kansas City or the person who reviewed it or the review from Kansas City about our record, and then you go read the other press that we got from around the country and the world, Yeah, I mean, just read the tone. Yeah, you can start there. It's like whoa. Yeah, like, the approach to it in general is like, and that's the only approach that you get. Like, so a fan of Kansas City, a fan that like of jazz music that like checks out all these sites that wants to go to the shows and wants that's what they're reading, because that's all they know. 
and that's all that's available to them to read. They might not like go to, they might not know to go look in the pitch or go look in these other, these other magazines for jazz press because they're like, well, there's jazz organizations here and they're, they trust them. They're telling me what's good. And it's like, sure. What? (laughs) Would you, and I, I, there is something to be said for doing things your way because you can do them the way you want to. And that's why we kind of started the record label. Would you ever consider, you know, having some sort of, I don't want to say a summit, but having an open dialogue at tribe in your space where you can encourage those kind of conversations for the people that want to be involved in those conversations beyond recording music. I'm just talking about, it seems like you're, you're cultivating, you're incubating, you're, you're, you're talking about doing like the, the, the master classes for people in the same way, you know, bringing some people together into one room, politics aside, what can we do? What do you need? What do we need? What, what does the community? I would love to, I doubt that they would want to show up, but I'm here and I would love to. Cause I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, let's make more money. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love do it, you dude. not want to make more money? Because I want to make more money. I want to yeah. help you make more money. Yeah. Like, let's make more money. Like, the stuff that I've encountered, I mean, I think at one of these venues, I dropped off flyers for our show at the venue. And because they weren't made by them, they took them down. Huh. And I didn't post them up. I asked, them, like, where's a good place to leave these? Like, and just, like, show up, start taping stuff to the wall, you know? I did yeah. it very respectfully, but I'm like, so you're you're gonna stop us from helping make you money because you didn't make this flyer? Well, maybe you should have made this flyer. <laughs> like what? That's yeah. insane. Yeah, <laughs> that's insane. I, <laughs> I completely agree, though, on the money making aspect because I just feel like you and you see it. I mean, you've traveled a lot in other cities and other cultures and other countries. There are it's tourism dollars and it's tourism within your own city. You you tell them about worlds of fun. You're telling them about this restaurant. You're telling them about jazz. Make mm-hmm. money, and that's well, what makes that's, our that's city good. different from other cities. You know, we're telling them go hear jazz music. can never have too many all ages venues i don't think i think that's a very important Mm -hmm. thing for a music scene so i mean it's not it's not an easy fix you know i know there comes like insurance and all these other factors come with setting up an all ages venue so i know it's not an easy thing to do so hopefully just someone sees sees that it is something that could happen at some point and and we get some more of those because like going to shows at the beaumont club was like super important to me yeah. growing up uh so so that that's one thing i know it's like not an easy fix but stick, also hey, stick with that for a sec though because chris we've, we've had a couple guests mention that i guess my thought is how do you make money to replace the money you're going to make from alcohol sales i mean isn't that what it comes down to it, well i mean it's that but it's also the insurance like and it's also just the 
Because they're kids, you need more insurance. Maybe yeah, I'm getting it. Yes. Yeah, you have to pay a higher insurance premium because is, you. Is that not why the Beaumont close? Like a kid getting injured at a show. I mean, and they got sued or something. Well, there's a, there's a, there's a, a long list I think of reasons okay. why that place closed. But, um, yeah, there's it's it has to do with the insurance. It has to do with the risk reward factor. Like, what is the reward for doing an all ages venue? Where yeah, you're gonna not get any alcohol sales from them at all, especially if you're. That's like something you rely on. Um, it's just like it's tough. It's like it's hard. Like even when we have shows we, at Record Bar, we do 18 plus. But then if you're accompanied by a parent or legal guardian, you can come in if you're under that age. But if you're 18 years old and you're like a group, let's say a group of 18 year olds walk into Record Bar and they pay the minor fee and they do all that, like all the door staff knows specifically if they're act weird at all that now we have to watch that group of kids uh, all night yeah because it it becomes a huge liability if um somebody's sneaking them drinks if they have snuck some drinks or something and now they're intoxicated like that's a huge problem like it, it's a big issue for the staff and then if anything god forget forbid would happen to them right you mm-hmm. know that like it just becomes like a the risk reward of it is tough. Yeah. What what if you had a venue that was only for under eighteen? So not all ages, but no dumb adults. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, like maybe you want you because I think we all have the same thought: is it's so important to expose young people to music so that your first show is an age thirty going to see Garth Brooks at Airhead Stadium. Well, right, but that's the other thing too: is like with Record Bar, you can come to Record Bar at any point as a child. As yeah. long as your parent or some type of legal guardian is with you, so it's still you still have the option of doing that. But I don't want to go just, with my parents. Like I remember going to see, uh, but we also don't. Furs we also don't want to babysit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, uptown <laughs> like, with my high school friends or that ZZ Top show. We had no parents. Was yeah. that Kemper? I mean, let's just keep. I would w- really like to find ways to do that because I yeah. think if you make fans at a young age yeah. they are going to continue to support music and then understand yeah. the value of live music yeah. and pay taxes or whatever to keep those things for the city I feel like if the kids care enough they will be like yeah my dad or something is coming and he's just hanging out in the back while I'm watching the show and that happens a lot yeah the like yeah. you know what I mean like we have so many like at least before the pandemic we were having so many like very teen heavy shows like mm-hmm. uh coin and stuff like that like well, really Billie Eilish played there billy eilish her first tour yeah. right exactly um so like glass animal it's like all teens and their dad or mom or yeah. whoever was okay. their legal guardian was up in the mezzanine watching mm. you know or okay. something like that um okay. so yeah it's just like it it's it ex- like you can go to shows under 18 it's just you can't there's not really any place right now that I could think of they can go under 18 you know well, I guess unescorted the, unescorted yeah. I guess so, I guess stuff in uh, White Schoolhouse right is yeah, that all yeah. Yeah, they, yeah they do a good job of that yeah. out in Lawrence yeah uh, but yeah it would be nice to have that in Kansas City but yeah. Uh, yeah it is just kind of a money investment thing that someone has to pull the trigger on and I don't right. think it's a very fixable like an easily fixable issue so if, if you if you want to angle for a, maybe a fixable thing uh, I, I had a second item. Okay, so yeah, in this, yeah. yeah. Um, I think. Okay, so I think being Facebook friends with 
any number of like local scene musicians you will come across like at one point or another you will see musicians complaining about their like sh- nobody showing up to the shows or them not making any money on whatever mm-hmm. project they have mm-hmm. or something like that so i think the thing is like really just like and that's what partially what i'm trying to do with the magazine is creating like you know there there are plenty of different like radio stations and podcasts and magazines and whatever in Kansas City but i think a lot of people aren't trying their hardest to expand the tent or the bubble of the local music scene mm-hmm, beyond mm-hmm. who it currently encompasses you know like i'm putting like like of course i'm putting this at the record store i'm passing this out at the shows or whatever and that's you know but i realized that a lot of those people are already kind of like in the know and a part of the scene in some way mm-hmm. but like i want to get these magazines to like college campuses high school campuses and like bring in people who else else like otherwise would never come across a local musician that they yeah. love who who is like similar maybe to like a, a national artist that right. they love and so i think like there's a lot more that could be done by the institutions and publications and so forth in kansas city in doing like actual like kind of grassroots outreach Aaron preaching to the choir. Again, we've discussed this a few times, and on both ends. It's yeah. like whether yeah, it's, the, and it's like if you're complaining, and instead of trying to do this first, like you're you're doing it wrong. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah, you will you will have artists who like don't quite understand how to promote yeah. themselves or like get stuff out, and then they complain that you know maybe the venue didn't do enough or yeah. what have you, and it's not really on the venue to bring people out. It's good if the venue has its own um, built-in base, you know? Mm-hmm. But, you know, most of the time it's on the artist to make sure that people come out or know that they're playing there. And know? if I can further get into the rant zone here... Yeah, yeah. If, you're not um, ranting. We're, it's we're perfect. Oh, I'm, I'm about to rant a little, maybe. <laughs> Let's do it. I think Geared there up. are a lot of artists who, in their mind, they, they see or believe that... A music scene should be a democratic thing you know mm-hmm. like based on their skill and passion and like years put into something mm-hmm. like oh I'm I can play the guitar like crazy and I can and I've been doing it for 10 years and it's the thing I care most about in life therefore I should be selling out shows or like people should be paying closer attention to me or I should be getting booked more regularly Mm. and it's kind of like no it's not like that at all and it never will be or should be Um, people are going to care about your music because it speaks to them in a certain way and they care about it as art like like Mm -hmm. you would with a national band or like you would with a movie or a book that you care about like I think people get that really twisted sometimes when they're on like in a music scene on a small level like I'm, I'm doing everything right why don't people care like well it's not about doing it right it's about doing it in a way that connects with people and maybe like you're writing like maybe your songwriting just isn't connecting with people for a reason mm-hmm. you know and maybe you need to change something about it or maybe you should accept that you're gonna be an artist in a niche and it's kind of like that 
Yeah. Like, it's just frustrating to read those posts sometimes where it's like people can't like zoom out and, and think about it that way. Right. Do you ever read the newsletter from Bob Lefset? No. He's been around forever and I somebody turned us on to that right when we started the label, but and I, I can probably not deal I can deal with maybe only ten percent of his posts these days, so it's not about music anymore. But he's got a couple interesting points like that, Aaron, like, you know, People complain about the amount of money that they make off of Spotify. It's pennies and this and that, which I we agree with as a label. Yeah, but no, on the other hand, higher, but, ju- just yeah. because you got your music put on Spotify, it doesn't make you a noticeable artist or yeah, a worthy not, artist. Not every artist can should should or will live off their art. Right. <laughs> I I can put a song on YouTube but, yeah, tomorrow. It seems like no some problem. Entitled to that. Yeah, and so th- that's that's one expectation, and the other one though too is that sort of. I'm, I exist and therefore people should just come find out about me if you don't let people know about it like Chris was saying and promote your show I mean I I won't name any names and this won't come out for a week but we have two, had two shows just recently where either other artists that we were pairing with or the venue they never announced the show meanwhile we've been like three or four times you know in the course of a month trying to do our best and then you know again, we'll see how the shows go but and our, some artists we know say, Dad, no one was there. I'm like, because you never posted about it. What were you thinking? There's just too <laughs> much competition out yeah. there of people busting their chops who maybe do have less talent than you and artistic integrity or all these other great things, beauty as a person, but there's just there's just too much saturation. So to your point, I think building up the am- amount of communication and awareness is something that's so essential we just don't have a lot of mainstream media here supporting Kansas City artistry, yeah. with the exception of your article in Rolling Stone. <laughs> and so what I see you doing and some other people as well is just saying kind of what we're trying to do is center cuts. We're just going to do what we can do. And if people you know, want to listen, things, things can maybe improve. Yeah. Um, and, you, and to piggyback kind of what Aaron was saying is that it's like – we all we all know sitting here that uh, we love artists, right? But we also know that artists aren't always the easiest people to get along with, you know, because they are, especially ones that are like very, very, <clears throat> and I'll say some super intelligent artists kind of get into their own head about what they're doing and about how good it is, and like you were saying, that can cause a disconnect on. That it's not just what you're making, right? It's the relationships that you've built with people, or the relationships that you've destroyed with people. Mm-hmm. You know, so it becomes. It also becomes. The art could be incredible, right? But if you have not, like, put in the work to get yourself kind of embedded into the community, it doesn't take a ton. But if you don't do that bit, then you kind of lose out on the on the potential of what you could actually be doing. Yeah, and it's, and it's kind of like also, uh, especially, okay, so it's, I'll, this is gonna sound annoying, but like a lot of times when an artist like gets like a negative album review or something, or even like a mixed review or like, you know, a, a review of their show that they don't like or agree mm-hmm. with or whatever, um, they'll be like, oh, this, this person is probably just a failed musician. They don't know anything <laughs> about music. Uh, why why don't we why don't we read uh, from people who who why don't we listen to the people who actually make music yeah. and it's kind of like uh, one I think I have I don't think I need anyone's permission to write about music and yeah. two 
Um, it's kind of <laughs> like, just like you don't need any much permission uh, to make music. Right. Yeah. Right. No, and it's kind of like, um, I would, it would be cool. Like, it's kind of what, I mean, Manor Records is kind of doing this to a certain extent. Like, they are musicians who are building a platform that includes, like, podcasts and, yeah. like, blog content and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, like, there's there's nothing stopping, like, a, like, you know, if you're, if you're complaining about nobody coming to your shows or buying your, your merch or whatever, like, why don't you start your own blog where you write about other bands or, or even just document more closely or in a different way what you're doing or mm-hmm. the, you know, stuff like that. Like, you, there, like, I built my own platform. Like, there's nothing stopping an artist from doing the same thing. Like, there's yeah. no, like, like, may, maybe people will think that there's a bit of a bias, like, considering it would be coming from an artist, but, like, I think they would still be inclined to like at least check it out. But to your point though, you also, or, or to our point is you also put in the time to like put yourself in places. And so people would start being like, Oh, that's Aaron Rhodes. He does this X, X, X. Yeah. Right. Like if somebody just like reacts to a bad review and doesn't even realize how good media and artists can work together. Like if, if that's if let's say you wrote a bad review about an artist and the artist just like bitched you out about it you would probably respond much better to it if the person just reached out to you was like hey i didn't really like what you said about me and that but like i respect it it's whatever it's like your Mm -hmm. opinion you would probably be like oh well maybe i should like on his next go around give him another chance or or what have you like there's it's all about the relationships that you build especially in like everybody likes to think that kansas city's like this thriving pop in place but like we're a small town like we're a small city we are not big and like anything that you do it impacts other things you know like you never know who you're talking to yeah. uh and who they know or vice versa you know what i mean like so right yeah it's it's i'd say half the game is having really great art and the other half is the relationships you build along the way mm-hmm you know, and you said uh, two words that were interesting here, and I just don't think I've heard in a long time, like, was concert review. Like, when's the last time you read the review of a show here in Kansas City? Tim Finn? Aaron? Aaron? You know, like Aaron's Aaron stuff? Yeah. I mean, Fowley and Lawrence. Fowley, yeah. I am having a hard time remembering back in the days of The Pitch or The Star. It's, it's non-existent. Now, there's some single reviews and some video reviews. And as a label, we're very grateful to, to have those and, you know, get the support that we've had. But like an album review or a concert review, it's, it's kind of a foreign word. Yeah. You know? No, and it's, it is kind of funny just because, like, uh, it kind of, in a lot of ways, it sucks to be someone who's, like you know engaging and like i'm not strictly a music critic i'm a music journalist as well i would say maybe more so Mm -hmm. but um like it's it's not a great time to like of course like music criticism doesn't quite matter as much as it used to because you don't have to buy like invest your own money in albums and like so you don't have to like research first you just click on it on youtube or spotify or whatever and you, you you what you know whether you like it or not but it's like uh, if you write a negative or a mixed review about an artist and they they share it with all their fans and like mm-hmm. you're you're just getting shit on 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 the internet for like <laughs> a whole day or two yeah. and that's uh, not a lot of fun. But yeah. it's like I think I don't know 
how I what what did you just say? Why was I saying that? I'm just saying. I mean, it's such it's so rare. Distracted my no, yeah. We, we talked about not as many way. reviews being written anymore, yeah. and it's just because like yeah, there's less money in uh, traditional media, therefore uh, they brands and like companies need to maintain their relationships with um, artists and other companies that they would otherwise like give an honest review of or like commission an honest review of so it's kind of like that so I'm, it's it's hard to balance like and it, it is kind of funny because i am trying to balance like building um a media company that is like making original content and doing cool like shows and stuff like that while also trying to be honest in my writing and in the, the podcast i do with bill so it, it is and, kind of a constant weird balance and we've discussed that too I mean, again, no offense to anybody involved in media here, but there is a lot of cheerleading to a certain degree, like where, you know, every yeah. single artist is awesome and you can only use that superlative so many times. Mm. Everybody can't be a five-star band. You know what I'm saying? And to be able to tell someone like your choruses are weak or your lyrics are soft or whatever, I don't know. That, that's that's healthy. Bad. Hmm? A lot of local music is bad. bad. No way. <laughs> uh, and I... I remember reading the pitch when it started. So this is like, I don't know, 85, 82. There was this guy, Leroy, that's capital L, little E, capital R-O-I, and he had this column called Riding with the King. And it was basically like a five-star system. And his, his reviews were a, maybe a paragraph of 50, 60 words. And he was, just, he was just honest, you know? And I think one of his reviews was like, fly me, like, you know, just don't even bother with me. And I, I depended on that guy. Like of the hundred albums I wanted to buy, you know, I'd look at it first and and take his word for it, good or the bad. We didn't always agree. Actually, that was a John Hyatt. Oh, bring us full circle here. That's a John Hyatt uh, title, Riding with the King. Nice. No, yeah, but it, it's kind of like I I part. I mean, I I do the I do shuttlecock for many different reasons, you know, but like one of them is just kind of like I I value when a music journalist is at or a critic is at a show that I can't make it to personally just because I want an honest opinion of what the show was like Mm -hmm. or like you know just an honest account of it just because like if you ask like the you the guy in the band that opened the show how the show went they're like oh yeah it was awesome it was crazy everybody Mm -hmm. was like you're, you know, it's going to be embellished a little bit or they're going to leave out sure. something just so they don't, like, clash with other artists or whatever, you know? Yeah. So, like, I, that's something I think I value as a music fan, uh, first and foremost. And then, yeah. The unvarnished truth. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't... I like, hear you. That's, that's why I like punk music. I don't like bullshit, you know? <laughs> Well, kind of tying back into like all of the the young talent coming out of Casey and Lawrence and like the surrounding areas, um, I would really personally love to see more all ages shows and venues and things like that. <laughs> yeah, because I think that's really important. Yeah. Um, How do we do it? It's, the, it's probably what three, four times now, Chris. Right? We've heard that. That's really one in a row. Yeah. Wow. How, how do we do that though? So let's think about that. Um, Coming from a younger person's perspective. Well, you know, I mean, like more matinee shows, like kind of yeah. replays doing things like that was really nice because it was really great to see like super young folks come out like um, yeah. Flora, who is mm-hmm. a newer artist. I think she's 14. 
Um, She's in the most recent edition of, um, yes, sorry, Shuttlecock right in front of us. Yes. Yeah. She came out to the show, the replay matinee, and it was, like, so great to meet her and, like, for her to see those bands perform. Like, it's just, like, such a great opportunity to, you know, make those connections and build a stronger community and things like that. Um, and also, like, hopefully more DIY venues pop up. Mm-hmm. I think that would be really cool to see. Mm-hmm. Going back to, like, that show, those matinees or replays, are those all ages shows? Yes. Or do you have to be there with a parent, or can you mm-hmm. be they're all ages okay yeah so just like any all ages shows i think is super important yeah and also like booking diverse bills at you know at gigs you know like not only like diverse racially but also like gender you know um age as well just like you know mixing it up genre that to me that's fun yeah i know chris chris feels the same way chris what's that what's that date of your that's at, at lemonade with liam uh, this might be wrong, but I believe it is September twenty third. Shy Boys, Liam Kazar, and Paris Williams. Okay, so and that's a perfect example right there. Yeah, yeah. It is the twenty third. It's the day after yeah. uh, that group love show we were talking about. And, yes, and Glass Animals. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yep. Um, that's fun. Like that. That part, I think, I do see a good amount of in Kansas City. Whether it's the Brick, who are starting shows back up, mm-hmm. the Ship. Record bar, mini bar, Truman. It's more national artists, but I do see yeah. they try to get an opener that's a little bit of a curveball sometimes nice. too. I think we've got that one down. But going back to the all ages, just how do you make it safe? I think that's what we discussed mm-hmm. last time. So when you start letting people in, you have some, maybe some liability issues, probably because they might be bringing in illegal alcohol, which I did all the time, <laughs> mm-hmm. or other things, including weapons. Uh, how do you make it a safe space for them also around a bunch of rowdy adults who might be, you know, imbibing? So you've mm-hmm. got it both ways there. For sure. How do you then make up for the lack of revenue from them spending money on alcohol, which is a good source of income, not just for bars, mm-hmm. but for restaurants? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how that works unless there's like a space that's provided and there's a, a system in place, I don't know, to... Again, ensure the, the safety first of all, and then to guarantee you know that it's going to be profitable well, to pay staff. Yeah, and I think, and I wonder what happened here, but when we had Idols play at Record Bar, the guy that runs uh, the White Schoolhouse mm-hmm. was there, and it was like, you you and your crew do like such a great job of making everybody feel like everything's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, even in like with idols, it was a rowdy show, but at no point did anybody feel like anything bad was going to happen. Yeah, and they were like, "Hey, would you be able to come in and like talk to us and show us the ropes of how that stuff works?" And I was like, "Sure." And then that was kind of the last I heard of it. Was that pre-pandemic? Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah, that was way pre-pandemic. That was like two years ago. Oh wow. I guess now because idols was probably two or three years ago. But yeah, it was. Um, yeah, because like the the thing. Because White Schoolhouse is, is DIY and all ages. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I wonder if it's easier for them there, because that's in Kansas. I wonder if like maybe the insurance is a little lighter or... Yeah, I don't, I don't know how any of that works. You maybe, know? maybe it's just because Lawrence people are cool. <laughs> maybe. 
Could be. <laughs> okay, so here's a crazy thought. I have been thinking about this question. You know, like in some cities, uh, especially in urban centers, programs will be offered to youth to basically keep them active, right? Because mm-hmm. if I don't have anything to do, and Midwestern, there's classic for this. I mean, I would say that's why there's more substance abuse in the Midwest than anywhere else. Because right. there's nothing to mm-hmm. do. So yeah. I'm going to go, you know, huff some glue. So they would start things like... Um, uh, basketball leagues mm-hmm. or you know safe spaces where people could come together at community rec centers right yeah and we're going to have a staff so you can exercise i get it going to a concert isn't quite the, on the same thing as getting exercise but i would also argue it can music be. Yeah, is, it is can equally be. important for mental health and yeah. social well-being yeah. as physical exercise mm-hmm. so let's do both actually <laughs> let's have basketball well, games with bands playing well and i mean this has been a while ago now but i remember there was like church like church venues that would do all ages things yeah or it would just be like a church's like little stage area that you could go do stuff but there was one out in odessa missouri called the refuge for a while this is i mean this is going back years now but um the all some all ages spaces did exist it's just i feel like maybe they weren't very profitable at the time and they just kind of fell by the wayside or like the Altorion, I'm pretty sure, was all ages at one point. Um, yeah. I wonder, though, if that's just something the city, and I'm always going back to poor Mayor Lucas, uh, <laughs> just realizes we have to put an investment in that. We realize it's not going to be profitable. And as a matter of fact, it might even lose money. Kind of like schools. When we start about privatizing mm-hmm. schools, the schools aren't meant to make money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> schools are a service. They're like healthcare. There's something you do to make a stronger, vibrant community. But then when you think about that too, what's the first thing that gets cut from all government mm-hmm. funding yeah. or schools? It's arts. Yeah. So like, I, I honestly don't want to hear from politicians that, oh, we need to do all this stuff. I'm like, well then stop cutting the arts. Yeah. Because that's the first thing you cut every single time. I just gotta believe there are empty spaces in the city mm-hmm. that could be rehabilitated relatively and again, you get some businesses to you know donate the construction costs or whatever costs, and then you basically just need some staff. You need someone yeah. to, to administrate, and you need some security. And you know, you start small and let it grow, and you build up a good feeling with your neighbors, and people yeah. want to make sure nobody messes it mm-hmm. up. I feel like it's very possible. Yeah. yeah. The the DI one. Let's end with that though. The DI one though is interesting because you know the way I understand that term, it's you know, do it yourself. So therefore. When you have things constructed or organized, by definition, it's not DIY. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, yeah. it's like mm-hmm. it's like when alternative music was first starting, there was no term alternative music. It was something you wouldn't hear on the radio, right? Right. There was no alternative the buzz. There was no <laughs> sound alternative. It was you didn't hear that stuff, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So once DIY gets to a certain point where it's become like managed and maintained and cultivated curated but then it's not diy anymore yeah does that make sense it does get overused i do feel like the term definitely well, uh, well then it like kind of weirds me out because diy venue it's like a place for people to throw diy shows like i guess minibar was a diy venue you know like there was really? no yeah because there was no door staff or anything it was <laughs> it was somebody from the band or bands like they're just rotating out and taking money at the door. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. that's technically a DIY show, uh, but I mean, with the with the space expanding a little bit, like they can't really. That's not a feasible thing to do anymore because you're going to have more touring artists and things like that wanting to play that space. So it doesn't make make it feasible to continue it as a DIY space. 
But like, if I'm assuming that the white schoolhouse has some sort of structure to it, mm-hmm. you know, oh, yeah. I, it's not just show up and do whatever you want, you know. <laughs> like I'm yeah. sure there's some sort of structure in there that, and I think you kind of have a board. Yeah, I'm I sorry, Chris, they have a board. They have Land. a board. Kelly yeah. from Love Garden. Okay. Um, Inez from LK Ultra, Sophie yes. Johnson, Pat Kennedy. Is okay. Fowley involved in that? Um, you know I'm Fowley? actually not sure if Fowley's involved. I know Jen, Jen Don. Okay. Jen, Jen, Jen. Okay. Yeah, and I, I just figured, like, you know, with these, it's becoming less DIY. Like, you can set up a show kind of anywhere. That's DIY. Like, That's doing a- it at your house or doing it on a porch or in a basement. Basements are really the DIY show or do-it-yourself, you know, venue. That's just the like, way I like look at it. Right. Yeah. Like, just, Rochelle's throwing another rager, and she's done it now six or seven times at your mm-hmm. house. Skylar's the DIY scene. You yeah. Know Until the parents or somebody busts you or the neighbors get sick of it, and then yeah. it moves on four houses or four mm-hmm. blocks away to somebody says, I'll give it a shot. And you got to be really careful. Like, there's been some bad stories about DIY, like... There was a, a house space for a while, maybe in like 08, 09, called The Rendezvous uh, on Warwick, which was a house that uh, housed nine to ten people at any given point, and uh, they would throw shows there all the time. And then, you know, you throw a show that 300 people show up to, and something goes wrong, somebody gets shot, like it, it's a it's an issue, you know, like there's... There's reasons why these things don't last super, super long, but something like the white schoolhouse that has a board, you know, that's a that's a little bit different of a thing. Yeah. But like otherwise, you gotta you gotta really be careful because you want you want uh, you want people to show up, you know. But yeah. you also don't want it to get to where you have no you've lost all control of the space. And you know? yeah, I feel like that's also another reason why like building you know more of a close-knit community is so so important because I feel like they have that in Lawrence because it is such a small um, space which allows them to you know feel comfortable like Mm -hmm. throwing those kinds of shows Mm -hmm. and like creating a community in which like you can rely on each other to keep people in check and things like that yeah Um, so when I was your age scholar it was like the rave culture at that time sort of like late 80s and you know we drive in from Lawrence and just be like a warehouse somewhere in Kansas City, and it was a it was a freaking free for all. We're yeah, talking yeah. about like five hundred, a thousand yeah. people doing Lord knows what. Yep. Mm-hmm. They had some security there, I'll say that, yeah. but there was no way they could have policed what I know yeah. was happening. And yeah. those things went until Whenever. four or five o'clock yeah. in the morning, and mm-hmm. then there'd maybe be another one in the same space a month later, and then yeah. they kept the name, and then it moved. And you wait, waited to find out where that was. Right. Because mm-hmm. it just wasn't sustainable. So I think what we're all talking about is safe spaces. Yes. To get young people exposed to new music. Mm-hmm. To have an appreciation for live music. To maybe want to get involved as become an artist or have a career in the music industry. To have that sense of community. Yes. And keep it, find a way to make it, you know, sustainable. Yeah. Making money. Artists need to be more involved and proactive in their own growth or in their own shows or whatever. If you are fine with just being a garage band that plays every once in a while and maybe you drop 50 to 100 people and that's all you want to do, that's fine. But if you have any aspirations of being more than that, like you have got to invest in that 
and you have got to put yourself in places that'll get you seen and get you more in the consciousness of the community. Mm-hmm. Um, like go to shows at Lemonade Park, go to shows at Record Bar, go to shows wherever. Just go and mm-hmm. like be available and meet the people that are running the shows or the other musicians or whoever and become more involved in it. Uh, just like putting out a record and being like, ah, oh, well, I only go out every like twice or three times a year to a show like that's not who's going to remember who you are mm-hmm. you know who's going to remember that oh you're in this group or whatever you know you really got to invest in that time like the, you have to take the time to make that growth a possibility and then you have to invest in that growth if you just think that you're going to play your songs and everybody's going to love it that's not at all how it works uh like if if you have aspirations of going further and you don't have a label behind you that's going to pay money for it, then you should pay for PR. Mm-hmm. And you should know that that's going to be about as much as your record cost you to make. Yeah. So um, know that, yeah, you just made a record. It cost you $1,500 or whatever. Just know that you're going to have to pony up more money than that possibly or at least that to get some PR behind you so that people know who you are. Um, or be very it, it involved get, in your own social media. Sorry to yeah, interrupt. Yeah, for sure. Your website so that people can yeah. do your own PR, right? Yeah. Can I ask you, I don't know if I've ever thought about that, do, do you have a lot of time to talk with artists when they're performing? I mean, I know they're there for sound check. I'm not suggesting I mean, I chat. like deep philosophical conversations or mm. discuss chief strategy, but <laughs> did they talk to you about things? Like, I mean, they I talked to me about... I get this record out on the road, man, I want to... I want to take over yeah. the nation, man. I want to travel. I mean, I they know. talk to me about stuff. There's like people that that um, have talked to me about what they're doing professionally, mm-hmm. um, and we have those conversations usually with people that I'm like more comfortable with, or that they feel more comfortable talking to me about that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, I have conversations with with. You know, people like that all the time. Um, like I'm going to put out a single, and then maybe I'm going to do a couple of shows to support it. And usually, I just usually out. I just say, "Cool, man," and and like I don't put in my two or three cents. You know, okay. it's like I'm just like, "Awesome, sounds great." Like I don't push them about what they're doing for PR or what they're doing for these things because I don't manage them. But you've been That's on that my, side. Yeah. That's yeah. why I'm just curious because you, you've been on that side and could probably, I'm not saying offer guidance, yeah. but you must be thinking to yourself, this person, this gal, this group, they seem to know what they're doing. Are these people, I, maybe I need to say something. Like they're, they're. The only, the only band locally in the past few years that I thought about being like, hey, I have advice that might help. Was maybe why God why? Oh, I love. But I the, saw them once, but I yeah, love they're amazing. Uh, but they moved to Philly. Yeah. So Is like it Philly or New York? Is Philly? Philly Somewhere. or Pittsburgh? Okay. Uh, Pennsylvania. Let's call it that. I was at uh, an album release show. Yeah. Which was phenomenal. Yeah, and like that was kind of like the ones I thought maybe I could like be like, hey, maybe you guys should do that. Maybe blah blah blah. But I just. I mean, they were moving and like, I wasn't really, I wasn't in that headspace to be like, Hey, I should give them advice about this. Yeah. Um, but there's, so, there's something else I want to kind of mention. Cause I've had this happen before is if you do go to a venue, like just act like you've act professionally, 
like act like you've been there before even Mm -hmm. if you haven't like and you're nervous as hell and you don't know anything about what you're doing just treat the staff nice and be professional about whatever it is you're doing Mm -hmm. because the sound guy's not just there to make you sound good he's literally if he's not there you don't have a show Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah, just be kind to the staff, be nice, be professional, you know, don't overrun your time because that is important. Like, just be be professional as possible, because yeah. if you do want this to be a thing that's important to you and you want this to go further, then you need to be professional. Like mm-hmm. you need to act like, guys, it's really important that we get on stage exactly when they asked us to. It's really important that we get off stage in a reasonable time. Mm-hmm. Like I get that when people are up there and they're playing music, they just don't pay attention, but you got to, it's yeah. like part of the gig. Yeah. Like you've got to pay attention to what, how much time you have left, all those kind of things. Like if you don't do that, then that sets everything back. It can seriously flub stuff up. If you, if there is a sound curfew, those kind of things, just be, if you were playing in a professional setting and you were getting paid to play, be professional. Yeah. Be as professional as possible. Be nice. Be like, punctual like if sound check is at 5 30 and you're not going to be there at 5 30 maybe message someone at the venue and be like hey uh sorry we're running late we're going to be there at six don't just have the staff waiting around till six not knowing what's going on yeah. like you know just be a little more if this is really what you want to do and it's not just a hobby side thing you know just be more professional about it well that's not a house show Right. I, I, I guess yeah. that's the way yeah. I approach it, and maybe that's just being an old-fashioned school teacher. Yeah, is I, I'm, I guess I'm always, like you said, on the periphery. Sometimes being aware, even though I'm thinking about the show, if it's one of our own artists, and yeah. we've set it up. But I'm like, how often the artist comes out and doesn't acknowledge either the audience or the venue or the staff? And I get it. You yeah. know, you're a rock star, or whatever, and you want to. But, but mean, you're not a rock star. But, but it's so easy just to say, <laughs> I'm very happy to be here tonight in yeah. this beautiful space, lying your teeth off because it's a dump. Yeah. I'm very happy to see all these fit, great people here. There are two people there. Yeah. You know, whatever. Just like, it's like a, it's not a presentation. Yeah. It's just protocol. Like, yeah. Just acknowledge this and then proceed to blow their minds with the best set they've ever had, all the while respecting what you just said. Yeah. We were booked to play for 30 minutes and at this point, if we had a guarantee for whatever and we're going to follow that, we're going to also make sure to not only tip your bartenders, but thank them, uh, thank the sound person, remind the audience that there's merch to buy. I think there's a lot of people that are really good at it. There's just, there's like, I do see, um, I've seen situations where the artist comes in and just thinks they know exactly what they're doing, but they don't. And they are rude and short or, you know, they're just, it's like stuff that like you shouldn't have to like pull someone aside and be like, Hey, this is not how you do this. But sometimes like I've had to like, like somebody from the band has been like, I'm really sorry. And then they, they have that person reach out to me and I've had to talk to them before oh, and be like, okay. Hey, like, they're like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize I was doing any of that. And it's like, well, like this is, you have to pay attention to the way you interact with people and how you, you know, like this is, yeah. You ever thought about having like a professional a, space an etiquette, you know, one-on-one little mini handbook for your, for your artist just to like, <laughs> no, I no. think that's going a little too far, okay. but I mean, if anybody wants to reach out to me and ask, <laughs> ask, you know, what they should be doing at stuff, that's fine. I will tell you. Uh, I just think, you know, it's like some, some people just get, 
they, they get inside their head that like what I'm doing is the best thing they've you've ever heard. Mm. And every artist is like that, right? It's not just you know whoever Aaron young kids. That yeah, a couple episodes. Yeah, ago. it's like well, no, probably not. It's probably not the best thing we've ever heard. But you know, like if you feel that way, then then prove it and and do it in a way that is like you know professional. Yeah. Let's go back to that promotional point, though, one yeah. more time, because I just do think it's important. I'm curious. I can just fly on the wall while artists are there. Do you feel like most artists, 50% or more, their goal is to be, you know, like a national artist or to do it for a full-time career and they they approach it that way? Or is it more, I'm just, I just want to do this show once a couple times a year and have my I, friends come out and make a little bit of cash maybe? And I think people that are older... I don't have that. Like maybe they're a little jaded and Mm. if they're doing like a band thing and they're like in their thirties, they're just like, ah, well if we do all right, it's fine. Mm -hmm. You know, not a Mm -hmm. big deal. Mm -hmm. But when you're a little bit younger, your twenties and stuff, you probably have moments in your band practices and stuff where you're just like, holy shit, man, this is fucking rocking. And you have like, all of a sudden you have dreams of stardom and tours and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, I don't really know a percentage, you know, I don't know what like, Sometimes I see people like I think that they have the like thoughts of like big grandiose thoughts of like what yeah. they could be, but then they just actively do things that don't help or don't mm-hmm. go for that, you mm-hmm. know. So I don't know. I I think it's kind of it's a mixed bag. I think like half the people, let's say it's like fifty fifty. And, and the reason I'm asking that too is that when you then have a sorry to say a national act but let's say at least a touring touring act, act. roll yeah. through kansas city yeah supported by or maybe supporting a kansas city artist do you get like a different vibe from them like they're more professional or they seem more committed or i don't know they're bringing the goods i mean people better. that are on the road and th- they're playing record bar like they they have some sort of clout because they wouldn't be playing at record bar mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. uh it's not going to be bunch of diy kids or something yeah. you know it's going to be there's going to be somewhat a structure they might have a tour manager with them it might just be their sound guy is doing their tour management mm-hmm. or you know whatever um i don't know they like most of the time people are pretty professional but you also like there are tour managers and stuff that i hope to never ever see again because mm-hmm. they were awful people you keep a like, list i don't keep a list i just remember and i'm like oh god yeah this fucking guy uh <laughs> but it's like it's like they were booked on this show. It's a 400 cap venue. They're used to playing thousand cap venues, but sorry, that's not what your agent booked you for. And right. like, this is what we have. This is what we're doing. You yeah. know, like I'll help you as much as I can and we'll make things work, but don't come at me hot about it. Yeah. You know, it's it's like, you can't put more people but in I the don't, building, right? Right. Exactly. And I don't think, uh, I think that is leaving for the most part in touring circles. Like people that are notoriously difficult are like slowly getting pushed out. Because mm-hmm. people are just like, I don't got time for this shit. Yeah. Like, and it, it's happening. Like, I, I see it as, and that's just a societal thing. Like, that happens in, like, kitchen stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. a chef that's, like, all fire and brimstone and yelling at everyone. Yeah. That stuff is, like, not, that's not really flying anymore. 2021. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's not, like, what you see Gordon Ramsay doing on TV, that's, that's, that's played up. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not really who Gordon Ramsay is. That's what they're asking him to do to get viewers. You right. know, like he's not that mean. He's just doing it's it because work. it's a TV show, you know, yeah, um, and it's not going to work in it in this day and age. And I, it's just a societal thing. Like, I feel like people are more and more like if somebody's really difficult to work with, they're just like, well, I'm just not going to fucking work with them. 
always always other avenues, always other opportunities. Right, exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've again, talked about it off air and in several episodes. I do feel like the promotion piece is probably the biggest challenge these days. Yeah. At least from our perspective as an angle, uh, as, an, as a label. And I, you know, I just want to be able to figure it out. Like if you really want to get out there, it's, it's a 24-7 deal. And we realize you got to have a life. But if you do want people to know about you, you've got to be active, whether it's going out like you've said, whether it's about promoting yourself on social media or th- through technology, putting up flyers recently now that we've kind of started putting paper back up, yeah. talking, to the, talking to people you know, about what you want to do and staying with it. Uh, I also don't think it's easy, so I'm not suggesting yeah. that like everyone can do that either. No. But I guess I just wish there was a way to let some artists know, like if you don't want to do that, then you're... You're in the wrong game. Yeah, unless you <laughs> enjoy creating art. And yeah, that, that's I mean great. that's fine if you just that's if you, great if that's what you want to do and you just want to create art and just have people watch the art and that's the extent of it and there's no other anything behind it. You don't want to have more people come to your shows, which is I don't wouldn't understand that if that mm-hmm. was your goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, yeah, if you just want to play every once in a while for fifty people or whatever, that's I mean, sure, have fun. Right. But like then, but if you play at a place that's bigger, you know, make sure that you're doing your part. I mean, everybody's on yeah. the same team. is that people are so nice genuinely nice <laughs> that they don't want to tell each other when something is not good or right uh, or well, that not mean, that working the right way so like, man you run a that lousy problem. show dude you show you, your lighting stuff's not set up on time your stage crew sucks they're back there slacking on the job I mean right. I'm curious well I mean that is a definite problem in, in any industry if, if people aren't willing to say you're bad at this Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, people generally vote with their dollars over time anyway. And, you know, so band school, go quit playing there or whatever. I mean, there's Good definitely point. venues in town where I'm like, no, I don't want that. Guy. That is true. But, you know. Um, That's true. So, I mean, I, I think that, that there could be some improvement there. And if, if that Kansas City kind or whatever is, is a little too nice. But, I, you know. See, I just, I'm, I'm just, I'm no, just see, I, don't, I don't know. I don't want to talk bad about someone. I do, I do think that's... <laughs> Clearly, I'm part of the problem. Yes, you actually. are. Actually, you're the crux of it, and that's why we brought you here. Put the spotlight on you. This is this an intervention? Yes. Actually, Chris, you can tell him. Yeah. Uh, we've gathered you here. Uh, my dog's here, uh, and he has something to say to you but as he walks out the door. Yeah. He just left. But I, wonder, I mean, too, I guess that says it all. Is it because you don't have, like, developed parts of the, I'm just, I'm just going to throw something like PR, for example, or, like, you know, Media I mean, press, but there are PR firms here. I mean, but do bands go hire them? Music rela- or music centric, I suppose, or focused right, on right. that. I mean, is that you don't have the person from that professional analytical aspect to say, I think "I'm the, not your friend. I'm your doctor. You're I, sick." Yeah, right. You so need to fix I, this. I think um, 
I want to say it was Enrique Chi that said this that really you know sticks in my head is like you're not a musician you're an entrepreneur oh for sure you're a, you're running a business mm-hmm. and if you're not then you're not being serious if you don't look at it that yeah, way right and it's and it takes i mean sometimes it just takes someone saying that to be like oh oh yeah i mean then you need to either go to business school or find some mentor to help you mm-hmm. or you know maybe you already have business skills but you haven't been applying them to your you know music career yes i mean like if if we don't as an industry in kansas city all begin to think like that then we're just trading each other our five bucks back and forth. yes and that's and i say five bucks because that's like what it costs to get into a quote unquote local band show still sometimes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's messed up mm-hmm. you're not valuing your own art if you're saying like well i mean if we make 20 bucks tonight that's fine yeah yeah is it is it fine how no. can you take that you're like yeah oh, we, but we got exposure man this is uh, this oh These are i love common conversations this, uh, chad brothers I, I, we were joking about exposure one time he goes man you can die from exposure <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, that's one of my favorites no the point about being in and i've heard enrique say that and a mm-hmm. couple other people it's a common conversation we have with artists who approach us about, I want to put out a single or what do you think about this or that? Or, you know, will you sign me straight up? Will you sign me? I'm like, well, let's talk about that. You know, what are you willing to do to take your career to where it is profitable and you aren't hoping for exposure and getting $20 for doing a, right. your time commitment to be there for five hours. Like right. think about this. And I, I imagine we'll talk about that on Mixmaster next week. Like yeah. what are you doing to find as many ways as possible to earn revenue to be able to pursue the art as a career, not because you love it and it's a passion. I mean, that's fine. That's good too. We want that. Sure. And and I will say this too: the people that are pursuing it as for fun are, yeah. um, you know, perfectly willing to play that show for twenty bucks because they're scale technicians or they work at KKFI. Yeah. Whatever like other you said, gig they've got. You're in Kiss again. And so you know, then that person becomes part of the problem. Okay. Of like, well, we were going to hire this band that's really great. But they're they cost us you know three thousand dollars, but we can get these guys for four hundred bucks, sure. or less, and they rock, and right, and they so were they were good enough to do the job for that whatever mm-hmm. that event was, and mm-hmm. so it's really a challenge to um, to mark your to mark your price up when you know gotcha when the rest of I gotcha. the community is like not in on that. So I will say, jazz players in this town are great at that. Yeah, at going like no, this is what it can you do this? No, you can't. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that's why I charge this much money. Set the standard. Yeah, right. and they all stick together on it, and mm-hmm. I think that's and so I, I think I don't know exactly why. My guess at that is that most jazz players went to school and they have debt to pay out. Like they, you know, they look at it as a business. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, I'm going to go and learn this craft so that I can go and make more money doing this thing that I want to do. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, there's a wonderful jazz program at UMKC. There's Oh, absolutely. At, um, um, KCK Metropolitan Community College. And so, I mean, this town turns out great artists, um, but not all of, all of us think about it as a business. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm probably part of the problem, too, sometimes with, you know, being at Star Haven Rounders. Like, we don't always charge what we... Our corporate rates are not the same as other rates for, yeah. you know, some benefit or a, a friend's mm-hmm. thing or, you know, a venue we love to play at or whatever. So it's sort of, um, I don't know. 
Yeah. I, I, I stumbled across like a, a post I made a couple of years ago about like the community sticking together and like talking to each other. I was like, you should talk about what you made at a show with other musicians. Like mm-hmm. yeah. you should always be talking to each other about what if you were booked at this place, how much what your what your draw was and how much you made just so that it it helps to know those things as a community to know like oh well maybe something weird's going on over here because i didn't make that much you know and we did this number of people you know those kind of things are important conversations to have just for like especially for people who are newer to it to know like you know what their what their worth is you know Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. right yeah and and venues are used to doing that yeah you can say you should be able to say to a venue hey i want to see the numbers from tonight how many people came in here? How mm-hmm. much money did you make at the bar? Yep. Um, and what did what did we do for you? Yep. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, and, and that is a conversation you should have. And, and if the venue isn't interested in sharing that information with you and to having that conversation, then there's right. many Red other places to play. <laughs> Red flag, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Right. Yeah. You know. Right. And so, it, yeah, I mean, those are because that's how you determine your worth. When yeah, because when the next venue says, "Hey, I'd like to hire you for this gig." And you say, we want this much money, and they balk, you can go, well, well here's what we do. Right, exactly. This, and, and we haven't played 20 times in the last <clears throat> two months. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we space our shows out. I mean, that's a tough thing, too, because if you want to play and make money in this town, you got to work. Yep. You can't, you yeah, can't not challenge. play. You know? and for- but you got to like think that stuff out. You can't, like, you, you're going to play north of the river, and then Lee Summit, and then... You know, Gladstone, you know, like move it around so it's not hitting the yeah. exact same crowd. That's, that's a challenge for us as a label because, <coughs> in general, we're not making revenue from booking a show. I mean, we could ask our artists for a percent, but we need shows to sell our records and CDs. So we want them to perform as much as possible. Again, not every single day and not be on the road 365, but with the pandemic, Right. You know, we're not asking people to get out on the road right now. So let's try to find opportunities to play in Kansas City, but let's be north of the river. Let's do an indoor venue. Let's do a benefit. Let's do, you know, mm-hmm. some other thing sure. so it's not, you know, back to back. I feel like I kind of derailed an answer I was going to maybe get from you before I jumped in. Is Was there something you had in mind? Like you think we need? Oh, no, I think, I mean, my an answer to that question is that everybody needs to treat um, artists need to treat their art as a business, and mm. and that's something yeah. that Kansas City can do better. Yeah, because I, I mean, I both ends of this as like someone who books bands for a festival and plays music, um, and also get the sort of random emails come to me at the radio station like, "Hey, man, how can I get my stuff played on the air?" Yeah. Go to the website; it tells you all about how to do oh, it. I, hear you. I mean, I'm happy to forward that on. I'm like, hey, here's the link to that page, and that's why we put all that stuff on the website. So like that kind of um, it's it's a lot of folks. So that also tells me like oh this person is hustling. They are trying to figure yeah. it out. And um, so that's like interviewing for a job. You go to the website to do a little due diligence and find out what they're all sure. about for your role yeah. into the Who's interview. Like board? you should have known. There, you know, you just who, go yeah, and right. fill out the application. Yeah. Well, and I you know I get, it's interesting because you're on I wouldn't even say both sides on multiple sides here. Thinking about, for example, Crossroads yeah, also Music Fest. I'm just a music fan who That's, goes to go see shows. Exactly. And, and like, but I'd happily pay. Um, I mean, I'm fortunate, obviously, if I can say something like this. I mean, I'd happily pay twenty bucks or twenty five bucks for a ticket to see a great show. You know, I don't care where you live. You well, can live exactly. in Gladstone or you can live in L.A. Mm-hmm. But put on 
a great show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's another thing that we, you know, oh, let's keep going. What else can we do better? But, I mean, what are you presenting to the audience? Are you wearing your, your shorts and t-shirts and sandals? Great. Mm-hmm. If your fans are down with that and that works for everybody and that's the show you want to put on. Yeah. I mean, everybody's wearing their costume. I'm, this costume I'm wearing right now is just one I pulled out of my right. dresser today. Everybody wears a costume constantly. So, mm-hmm. Um, this is something I learned from Jamie Searle. It's like he's it's dragging, kicking, and screaming. He got me to wear a suit. The animal suits? Like, no, that was, <laughs> this is before. Just suits. Like, I would go thrift stores shopping and buy suits and ties. Hell yeah. And, like, black shoes. And, I mean, we were, of we course. always, like, tried to look sharp. But I hate it. I was like, this is the stupidest. Mm-hmm. And he just put it like this. If it's not a special occasion to us, why would they give a shit? Yeah. Oh, I love we're that. not even taking the time to even bother to look nice on stage yeah. or do something for like to put on a show. Mm-hmm. You can get what we're doing anywhere. Mm-hmm. If we're not going to do the extra, then mm. you know. I I'm so with you too on putting it the onus on the artist there to take themselves seriously. Yeah. Maybe not have serious music or have some you know meaning of life statement in their lyrics, but you know you you show up on time. Um, I'm thinking yes, about Crossroads right. Music Fest. You sent out um, some graphics and some things to promote on socials. I want to say about three weeks ago. And you had, and again, I didn't get this personally, but the Black Creatures did. And we're very good about sharing information. And there was even like a I, set time. I feel like I should have sent that to you now that you said that. So oh, I trust you. I'm, I'm in there. I'm in their email. <laughs> Calvin's too. Don't worry, Fritz. They have no idea. I'm freaking big brother. Well, because I want to make sure. Like, yeah, it, sure. Let's, yeah, yeah. let's read the agreement together. This is mm-hmm. when you're supposed to show up. How much are you getting paid? I try to help them remember stuff. I'm not. That's. I'm just a little meticulous. Probably drives them freaking bad. Yeah, right, right. But to the point, you had like a synchronized campaign where you were asking the 35 plus artists involved to at this point, you know, do the first release and this and that. Yeah. So and if you're I, listening to this and and you're playing CMF this year or some year in the past and you didn't do that. You can do better. That's what we're trying to say. And I know how many people post it. I didn't look at every single person. No, no. Who was there. I, I, and I, it would drive me insane if I went. But I have other people do but it. But that's so just I know it. you are. You're, you're getting this opportunity <laughs> to be in front of a bunch of people at a cool event to benefit right. a station that's relatively cheap admission price. It's exposure. And you're getting paid. And you can sell your merch and all sorts of other things. Yeah. And you can't freaking post until well, right. I mean, the week of the show. You know, if that. But that's, you know... I when I booking artists, I look at that stuff too. Are are they active? Are they exactly. you know? Is their last post three months ago or longer? Right. Then they're not. I mean, that's and that doesn't the yardstick. The only thing you look at is social media, but it's important. I mean, well, these days it is. Important. You can see it. So if you want to get that show in Denver or in Omaha, they're going to go look and see what are you doing. Sure. You haven't posted in three right. months. You probably won't post about the show. We're going to get you. So right. Yeah. Or you haven't played in three months and. Maybe that's a, you know... That's another, another issue. Thing. You know, I don't know. And maybe that's good. Maybe you're like, oh, the last thing they posted was the show, but you can't do... Be- yeah, Back I mean, in March. You're right. It's and, COVID. And, you know, and, and the reality is, like, you, you should be posting. I mean, it doesn't have to be about a show you just did or, you know, engage your audience. Like, that's... Yeah. I think that's the verbiage I put in the in the information. Like, hey, share this. Mm-hmm. This is a way for you to, you know, have a touch point with your fans. Right. And let them know you're doing something fun. Right. Right, and, and be proud of what you've been able yeah, to do. Let people know. Sure. One of the cool things about the music festival is we specifically try to not do the same show over and over again. Um, and it's you know we're 
hashtag blessed with Kansas City artists. Uh-huh. It's like you, you can do that. You can put on a festival with 30, 40 bands and not right. have the same. I mean, it's not like there's no one playing this year that hasn't played it in the past. But um, I mean, we really try to make it a new adventure every year. And it's so it, it often is the first sort of big festival that a lot of artists play. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, this may be the first contract they actually have to sign or the first time someone asked them for a stage plot or yeah. an input list. And, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, I want to do, I've been talking to Nick about this for years and I forgot to bring it up this time. It doesn't make sense to do it this year, but what we need to do is have a mixed master session that is sound engineers and artists. Let's get together. Get oh, on. yeah. Artists need to speak their language. They need to know yeah. mm-hmm. about sound frequencies. And mm-hmm. I mean, maybe not to that you know, detailed, uh, but you need to know what they do for you because if they're going to either make or break your show every night. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if they don't know what they're doing, you need to know that before you go on stage so that you can go back there. Or if, you know, and same the other way, like the engineers need to understand that not every artist knows everything they yeah. do. Yeah. And so stop looking down your note at us, nose at us, sound engineers. Well, yeah. it's, I mean, it's another <laughs> thing too is like I just think there's a misunderstanding of what the what they do like i'll never forget this one artist i won't name uh but they were outside complaining about the sound guy because his patches on his music were awful and sounded bad and he was standing outside and he's like well isn't it his job to make me sound good i'm like no you're supposed to sound good and he makes you sound as good as possible that's his job (laughs) there's no magic wand over here yeah pixie dust yeah it's not exactly how it works at all Can you make this like you just rewrite all this? In there. Yeah. <laughs> I need more reverb because I sound terrible. <laughs> Bill, this is this has been great, uh, oh, and I appreciate this you. This has been a blast. Thank I you. Appreciate you sharing that too. I do think it is tough sometimes for we're not calling people out. We're just saying no, you're, no. You're, you're just, doctors. Like, these are just things that we've all noticed over time. What I have found in the last few years is that we really lack um, all of the subsidiary industries that need to be around music to get it out mm-hmm. um and one of the other things that i feel like recently is i don't know just came to mind for some reason is maybe not a rule but i feel that things in kansas city tend to over identify as kansas city things therefore negating any possibility that people outside of this market would find it interesting or think it's for them Mm. because because if you're living in a larger market outside of kansas city you're not thinking oh this thing says XYZ KC I'm curious now Mm. you know Mm. like Mm. if you're living in Denver and you're like why would I read the Taste KC magazine Mm -hmm. or whatever like if because everything in that must be specifically for for a a geographical region that I'm Mm. not connected to Mm. Um, that's miles and miles away so this is one thing is like Everybody who is here in Kansas City, artists, businesses alike, I believe, should should think of themselves as worldwide entities as opposed to just being a locally a local based thing. Mm. And I think there was this like amazing trend about buy local that was coming around like the last five, ten years ago, about you know everything being more sustainable and thinking about buying local and supporting local and all these things. But when you but then but then there's like this kitschy thing where it's like, okay, we'll we'll do local for when it's cute and whatever, but when we want serious things, we'll go to New York, you know? Mm. And so um, mm. 
so I'm not a kitschy, cute local thing, and 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 I have to, to say that about myself before anybody else will say that about me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think both local artists and local businesses need to say the same thing about themselves. Um, we have the power to create to create worldwide, world-changing art in our hands, where we stand, where we are right now, our studios, like like people have changed the world with less. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. And so, um, for us to continue to perpetuate this idea that if you're in Kansas City, that you will only ever aspire to be a local artist, unless you move, which continues to be the truth, but like, if we want to change that narrative, then we have to change it. Mm-hmm. And so, I think that also PR is a huge part. I don't have yep. a lot of like options as far as PR firms that are local that will help me connect to other markets. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's going to be a matter of, of exporting and importing, right? So, so if we want to be somebody that, um, that, that people who are involved in the local music scene of Chicago would see Kansas City as a place to go visit, then we need to bring the people that they love who are local, quote-unquote, local musicians in Chicago down here, yeah. you know, and yeah. have an exchange program. We need to be doing the same thing with, with Omaha and with uh, Oklahoma City and with Denver mm-hmm. and to not just be going for, for the, 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 you know, huge names, um, but going for the more, the more mid-career kind of people. Um, and because and one thing that, that I think is a huge disadvantage for Kansas City just, just from the practical application of it is that there's nothing within four hours of here. Truly, yeah. Like that's the closest thing, and that's St. Louis. St. Louis, yep. <laughs> um, and everything else is, is actually far. So it's like, mm-hmm. what do we do to foster, to make this place a destination that somebody would want to be at, or you know, or or, or how do we build in um, the stopping places along the way? How do we make Salina amazing so that the, so that between here and and Denver is is an actual stop that people want to be at? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe people would want to come to Kansas City if there was a resort for musicians in Salina. Like I'm just thinking outside of the box. Here, yeah. Right. No, I. T- two points there, Calvin. It, it is kind of a double-edged sword. We've been talking a lot about like you know locals great for food and clothes, but when it comes to music, that's sometimes people think that's a bad word. Right. Um, I think about when we were thinking about the label name, which we, as you know, we went through three before we got the right one. There were a lot of talks about keeping KC in there because we want to represent Kansas City artists on a national level. But then I also remembered, you know. Jim's company, Anders McMill Universal, the whole reason they tacked the Universal on there, from what I understand, was so it sounded like they were Universal. big time, yeah. right? You know, not not keeping it keeping it st- stuck there, I suppose. And right. so that's a fascinating point. I I think about um, I was talking with Chris Hagerian the other day about Nathan Roush about Middle of the Map. Actually, I was talking with Steve from Record Bar about that and getting tours routed through Kansas City where we've got either a northwest or sorry a north south or an east west connector it's a challenge there is no stopping point it's Denver 8 hours away it's Chicago 8 hours away it's Dallas 8 hours away so how can you do that i think the idea of middle mm-hmm. of the map for a while was let's bring in some of these artists from these other towns develop relationships with them in Oklahoma City and Des Moines etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm-hmm. and then we can you know just kind of piggyback off, off each other, which I think is a brilliant idea. And what, what helped with that too, is that it was always around South by. Right. So bands that would be traveling to or from South by Southwest would have somewhere to also go. Exactly. To play another. Exactly. Something. So how do we find about, you know, six to eight of those anchor events throughout the year? I mean, Folk Alliance 
in some ways. Now that it's returned here, yeah. It, I think that was the original plan. It was always going to be here like three out of the five years. One year was going to be outside of the country, and mm-hmm. then the other year was going to be another American city. I, I will say, though, that folk, uh, somebody was just talking about this the other day. They were like, oh, yeah, I've always wanted to go to that. And then I saw the ticket price. And then I will never be able yeah. to go. It, it, maybe that's not a good comparison yeah. there because th- it's not it's, really it's, a, for, it's like like a conference. It's not yeah. really a, yeah. But it is, to Calvin's point, it's bringing the people that's in true. It's from bringing some the of the industries in. that yeah. we don't have, like PR. Yes. To me, that's something we're lacking yeah. in here. Yeah. We don't have in-house. PR and promotion, um, I think we're lacking in music publications. Mm. Like, it's just a diversity of that. Like, I don't see... I don't follow an Instagram feed of people that are talking about what what happened that week. I mean, there's a couple, mm-hmm. but but the ones that I do know of call themselves Casey. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. so it's like like how do we how do we how do we make because okay, it's like Hollywood has their red carpets, right? And like people take pictures of those things, and then they end up like getting out the next day or even that night, right? But like who, like we have great photographers. But like they're not pushing that that media into a way where there's gossip or where there's like a column or where there's like people you know there's just not enough like conversation about what trajectory that that people are on or like or or you know what's happening or what people are wearing I don't know yeah. those, those things you know it's like yeah. we just don't have any of that or it's like and, and there's something similar to that that Patrick's brought up a bunch of times about like Kansas City claiming jazz. And then if you just grabbed a random Kansas City and asked them who's their favorite jazz musician, they would have no answer. <laughs> yeah, and they would just have no answer. It's right. like, know so well, that's of part of like cultivating the scene correctly and not right. like making it a free drinkathon at mm-hmm. most of their venues. It needs to be like, no, this is like, I don't know. There's there's a lot of issues around that, but yeah, yeah. Do you? Guys, do you think that's because also just information sources are so fragmented these days? Like there is no go-to source. Yeah, I think I think there's a little bit of that. Like I would think that probably 15, 20 years ago, people would be like, "Oh, I go to the pitch to find my totally all of this." I did, you yeah. know. Yeah. And then when that stuff starts going by the wayside, and maybe the pitch or those other type of rags don't transition to digital gracefully mm-hmm. in a way that makes them be like so you can get you can pick up like the, the actual paper but there's like you need to go here and like really hammer home going mm-hmm. to the the site and like that and making that a big deal yeah um i think it just became tough like with with that that type of media sort of falling by the wayside in a lot of ways like even the star is like you know they're not doing any music anything um you know like with that falling by the wayside i think that particular like like publications and things just didn't quite make that jump early enough mm-hmm. or like in a way that made it to where you go to the com and you get like see all those photos Co- and that con- information on that pitch or you know mm-hmm. like those things it, like it just didn't quite happen quick enough yeah it was like it was almost reactionary you know yeah they gotta make money too though I've thought about yeah, that absolutely. like how are they supposed to make their money promoting music and they and of course their stuff before was they make their money through ads that, and when the ad saying. revenue to pay. starts disappearing it like it's, it's hard you know all I know is that other people have figured it out yes mm-hmm. 
and they are just a text message away, yeah. whoever they are, <laughs> mm-hmm. or an email, or an email. But like you know, everyone has their 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 pocket computers. Like we should be asking these questions to figure out how how to make scenes or how scenes are made in other places, um, and and what what we need. But I I do think it's like yeah, it's the media part of it because like everyone everyone is a local musician. Yeah. in the world of course yep. because we can all only live in our, our, our own body at once right mm-hmm. and so what we see as people who are, are more established or whatever like their local world is just has more be- more and better cameras and more and better columnists and more and better writers and more and better paparazzi who are like taking pictures for people and selling, the, selling them off mm-hmm. um, more, more publications because it's not just one or two that are out there it's dozens right so mm-hmm. it's like it isn't just about, about researching the pitch it's about like we need we need very specific things that are happening that that people globally are looking at to see what's going on here you know mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. we almost need like a paste magazine but for Kansas City yeah. or, or that is like doing that similar kind of thing but in Kansas City and I think not just but also to Calvin's point Chris not just covering Kansas City artists right covering yeah. whatever the heck is happening in. here yeah. yeah across dance across theater across comedy I mean it's an incredible city it's just diverse it's just not necessarily easy to find all that information in one place and you know for the person with a short attention span or that doesn't even know to go look for it you gotta make it easy to find right It's been interesting, I, and I guess I don't know really what else exists in other parts of the country, but if, if there would be, like, um, and this is probably just because from the label aspect, but, like, also a booking, grade, a booking agency would be oh, yeah. great to have here, um, I think some sort of connection between more of the arts world and the music world, and I think Charlotte Street does a good job of this, but I think the more and more we can start connecting that the more we'll realize how much of a big community we actually have in this city. Mm-hmm. Um, Deep Space being next to Stray Cat really helped me realize that because like they just have their own different scene than the music scene we had right next door, and that like combination of the two together would be like ginormous. You know what yeah. I mean? And really flourish in this town because we have such a great art scene. Um, well, performing arts center is. You can see right out the door. Exactly. That is kind of the cool overarching thing above that, like two DIY spots is this like yeah. thing that's been like invested in the arts right there. So mm-hmm. it's a, uh, and I don't know, I guess learning from the grant aspect too, if there was more like foundations that would like pay attention to the arts here um, or bring their investments to this city, um, that'd be cool for people like me because <laughs> so, I would, it would help me put out more people's music, but I hear you. And, um, We've been partnering with Arts KC recently. They've got an initiative this year called Who Needs Art, hashtag Who Needs Art. Nice. And it's not a fundraiser. They're just trying to basically bring to light different arts organizations, whether it's drama, theater, dance. And um, I think that sometimes 
I don't even say the DIY level, just like an average artist isn't the right word. Artists don't maybe necessarily even know that there are resources out there. Like no. I, again, like I know Charlotte Street just recently announced they've got, I think, three $10,000 generative grants uh, to apply for. Maybe it's five. I mean, yeah. 10 grand, that's, that's, that's a good a, little that's chunk of change. Game. That's good money. That'll, well, that'll pay your rent for the year. That being said, I didn't even know until I just applied with a grant through them that we didn't end up getting. But it was like I could have I could have been applying for that grant this whole time. It was yeah. an arts grant. It wasn't a nonprofit grant. Yeah. I'm an idiot. I could. You know <laughs> what I mean? So that's so, a, so artists and maybe making that awareness more of a thing is is part of that deal, like for the artists, because that's and maybe more like that's why I like I'm I am biased, but. Uh, I like the concept of deep space a lot because it's more like an arts collective spot than a venue even. Mm-hmm. And like, so it's more like advocating those type people too. And not, I don't know. Um, I would take a all ages venue too, if we could get one. That's a big one. That's been bandied about a few times. Uh, we, we now have a band that will only play all ages shows. So I'm really going to start pushing some of these venues to see if they'll, they'll work with me on something. So yeah. LK ultra, they just, they have a deal where they only play and they're almost all 21 almost now too. So, they want to continue to make that part of their I believe so. mission. I believe so. It's it's been strong so far, which is cool to see a band just have like a mission. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, I'm down with that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so maybe the question then is: Do we need to bring the artists to these organizations, or do we need to let these organizations help them find these artists? Because again, another conversation with Arts KC was they wanted to do some um, testimonials. Yeah. About you know this initiative and like, can you? talk to some artists for us. And yeah. I'm like, yes, of course. And yes. sent out 50 emails. And yeah. I don't know if anybody necessarily has followed back like they'd <laughs> like to, but I just think like having some connectors there on either end yeah. uh, could facilitate that. And again, who does that and how that person gets paid? I don't know. Right. Yeah. Because again, you can want to help. Yeah. Exactly. You've got bills to pay. Well, and that's where I feel like it's like for now that I'm aware of stuff with like the bands on Manor, it'll be like, I'll, I'll, show it to them and if you know there wasn't that like uh we had an artist pay for their entire recording session with an arts grant from charlotte street last year and it was just awesome. because they're very attent they were very attentive and you know it's yep. like uh a lot of bands also sometimes don't want to have that relationship to their music in a way where it's like and that's where i i kind of come in you know mm-hmm. it's like some people are just like i just want to make the music mm-hmm. and i'm like okay that's fine right so, you know um but I think, you know, and you guys do a good job with this, too, of, like, putting on events that incorporate the, the two or, like, bring in those organizations mm-hmm. to a show, you know, that's, like, uh, or, like, they did with inviting, you know, having Black Creatures play, having yeah. some local bands at their events even yeah. helps just those people that, that are artists there. The KCAI scene and all those people, there's just such a huge, beautiful scene of artists here. Mm-hmm. I feel like if we could try to get people to stay, too... Yeah. You know, make it work, you know, because I feel like, I don't know if I'm over speaking with KCAI, but I feel like a lot of them go get jobs elsewhere. Yeah, I don't know, you know, I don't know how that turns out. Maybe that's why that is, I, I don't, I should shut up because I don't know enough about the arts world. Now that I'm <laughs> yeah, saying we don't, that, we don't have a deep relationship. I mean, I know some former graduates and things like that. I yeah. don't know exactly what their mission is other than to develop artists and yeah. their disciplines. Exactly. You know, I don't know, part of it is to keep them here in Kansas City or find ways to build on whatever whatever their discipline is yeah you know yeah uh kemper and we're partnering with them with the black creatures or help oh maybe i can't even say that 
I mean, we, we just kind of <laughs> we just kind of Whoops. stumbled into a few things, but I will say it's also been redacted. Me looking like what are exactly. opportunities out there and yeah. having the time to do that. Yes. Whereas artists don't have time, or label owners don't have time. Many of them have other jobs. No, and that's how I feel. I feel really bad for my artists right now because I am having to focus on getting literally a store open. Yeah. Right now, I think like, they understand that. I don't think they're you know. <laughs> I don't think they like clearly are on board with what you're doing and uh you know they're not going to be too mad at you that you're putting a lot of focus on making that happen fair thank you what, what do you think <laughs> maybe i'll just lead you this way what do you think artists specifically can do better to help build the industry because i think a lot of times we talk about this like well venues need to do this or the city needs to mm. do this or record labels need to do this I'm like well, what what about the artists and yeah you can speak from that from either angle I think, well, and this might be a little too, like, philosophical with it, but, like, um, I've, been, I've been doing a lot of, like, it, be it just, like, treat it as, like, an offering of your, of your own that mm-hmm. you want to take to the marketplace and don't have that offering on the marketplace unless you are ready to do so 100% and you mm-hmm. feel good about it and it feels good unless, unless it feels good, don't do it. Anyway yeah. Too. Um, yeah, I don't know. I've seen a lot of musicians as I'm learning how to like manage campaigns and stuff like that of releases. Like some can get burnt out after six weeks of having to post on Instagram every day, and it's just like, yep, I get that so much. And it's just being able to like manage that part a little bit better is something that I want to kind of help. And I think actually Michelle does a good job with like a lot of the mental awareness stuff right now that she's been yeah, pushing. It's super sure. helpful because that's a thing, and maybe it's like. Um, Going into that knowing that that's going to be a thing, though, and having that conversation beforehand with right. either your band or if you have a label person to talk to, like you just need to kind of get that out in the world and kind of talk it out, I think. And For that'll sure. help you get the whole process, feel better about it. And just know that it's, it is going to be work. Yeah. You know, and it's not going to be the easiest thing in the world putting out your album or something. Yeah. But. People think it's all fun and games, but it can be incredibly stressful. Yeah. Like I've probably had like two like pretty significant like not breakdowns, but I mean, just emotionally like gone like twice in like five years, you know? So like it, it's definitely a thing that can happen in this business that just isn't talked about enough, really. I mean, it happens in every business. Like we're seeing it come to the forefront in like sports and kind of everything. Like people are being more open to talking about it. So I'm really glad that Michelle's doing that work to make it more visible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think Sean's suggesting, though, it's it's not a preemptive strike, but, you know, if yeah. the artist makes that decision that they do, you know, want a label specifically to get behind them, yeah, you've got to know that you've got to promote these things, mm. whether yeah. it's the social media piece, which is not fun for anybody necessarily, no, when it, it becomes work, yes, which is promote your right. shows, which is get out and sell those records, which is, you know, do the podcast interview to Talk promote it. Talk to people. Because... It, it's not, don't it's don't not, just play the show and not talk to anyone. Yeah, like, it's, talk not, to it's not going to be heard. Your creation is not going to be spread without your full involvement. And it's yeah. it's working. Maybe you decide, I don't want to do that. Thanks, yes. thanks for having the conversation with me. Now that you've laid it out like that. Well, and you know what What blows me away is now now that I think about it, for instance, we had an artist doesn't have any social media at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. She's, she's on her own page right now. She shows up in town. To, she's like, hey, I'm releasing an EP in two days. And I was like, dope awesome i'll try to send it to anybody i can in that time frame but that's that's something i'm super okay with and i would hate to tell them that i can't that they can't 
if it is time for them to get that off of their chest too. So it is like a balancing act for the label too. Yeah. Because it's like, uh, and I, if I was trying to profit off of the the deal that we have, it makes it where I have to be a little less uh, empathetic in that situation because it's a business. You know right. what I mean? And that's you, what you would. You that's would, where we're coming from. Right? I know. And I, if, I, I, if, I, if, if like, it was different, you'd be like, "Well, you can't release it in two weeks because there's no time to lead up promotion." Like, yes, we have and like to push, the label yeah. me wanted to scream at her saying that. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, yeah. I was like, okay, well, and this is where you know I'll have a talk with it with all, and maybe this is actually not good for me to say all this on air, but like uh, that. There, if if she wanted to put stuff behind it, we would make a plan. You know what yeah. I mean? That's the other part of that too, where it's, it's like, uh, that's where it's just like, some of the artists, they just like to do it that way. And I'm just like, they, that's not the only time that's happened either. So that's like, uh, and it's it's a little surprising on my end, but it's like, gotta go with the flow. <laughs> that's it. But it's digital, it's helpful too. So that was that was the only reason I was like, obviously you can't do a cassette that quick, but that's it. So, yeah. Uh, she was like, it's happening if you want to promote it or not. And I was like, great, I will promote it because your music is amazing for the record too. But yeah, that's it. that's a, it's a tough conversation that I'll never understand because I don't create art. Yes. And I can't imagine what it's like to have this thing inside of you and feel like it's come to its fruition. It's right? you're done honing it or whatever. And you're ready to release that baby into the world. It's hard. And... You don't care about the promotion part you know yeah. it, 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 I, I have to do this it's an yeah. artistic not even a statement but but our point is we want to make money right. so we and then should it's, and on the other side of that it's also like I get that you want to get it out and release this thing but what who are you releasing it to right yeah. you know yeah. if who's if, buying that right like if give it no, the yeah. respect it deserves too that's kind of Correct. what I meant about the offering yeah. thing it's like it's like treated as like something you really like love and you like want to give it all the love you can you know what i mean yeah. so it's like but and I, it's like it's funny when it is because a lot of that like the reason you would want to make money off it too is that you can like also invest in press for the next releases it's to help the artist too Preaching you know to what i mean so i know where you're coming or from or help that. fund your next your next record your next thing that the, you're the funniest if you're one is when they're like okay i got it done let's put it out on vinyl and i'm like okay it's so expensive <laughs> well and it's like all right, yeah, that album's going to come out in like a year or plus at this point. And yep. they're all like, oh, they just I guess don't, I'll just do a cassette. They don't <laughs> know. Yeah, they don't realize like what it actually means. There's also, yes. yeah, there's also like even there's we uh, a local band that is doing very well for themselves right now and uh, opening for a lot of major artists. They booked their local show two weeks before the show. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, you guys should have put 300 to 400 people in this room, but you you waited too long yeah and you have to understand that things are booked six to six months to a year out and you have to make plans accordingly and don't think that in two weeks you'll just sell out a room or you know do a hundred plus people because that's not really how it works it's like you know you have to yeah these are learning opportunities like you make the mistake once and now you know oh i need to do this differently Definitely. next time you have and, so many other people's lives involved when a show comes to it too. You know what I mean? Right, like yeah. That's a, yeah. That's a whole lot of shit going yeah. on. And I don't think we're throwing, meaning to <laughs> throw artists on the bus. Um, and I think that it's helpful for us to put ourselves in their shoes and yeah. understand you've yes. got this baby. On the other hand, have a little empathy on our yes, end. Yes, we want to help you. Whether it's yes. you're promoting a show because you're working in a venue or you're putting a release out. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think, I think we're all... They know always, we're coming from a good place with it. Yes. You okay. know what I mean? That's... Yep. Yeah. It's like a family member in that. That's why I keep always calling it the Manor Fam, too, is because it is like, 
it, they, I like love them, and sometimes I want to like be like, "What are you thinking?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Sean. You know what I mean? Yes. It's funny. We need to go get some drinks now, guys. Yeah, uh, I'm really. <laughs> 